Movies is going to be recorded and released twice a week, every week. Head on over to patreon.com slash so you don't miss a single episode. And you'll also be able to get exclusive access to series like After Dark, niche influential films of the 20th century, where each month I am going to be covering an underrated or overlooked film from the 20th century that had a lasting cultural impact that maybe isn't even noticed today. Go on over there again, patreon.com slash lowrest, $5 and up level. You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm probably going to give you a little bit of insight on the making of our feature film that we've been working on for the past year, Mass State Lottery. Patreon.com slash lowrest. Enjoy the show. This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me is Hans, who is drinking a, what is that, a tall boy of Tecate? Yes. No, no. It's uh, it's like the cheapest beer you can get in Central America. It's called Bohemia. Uh, this is, uh, how much is this? One dollar, I think. Uh, so that's... So that's I'm, like I'm, half I'm your a, day. Wait. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> listen, a, th- a third... <laughs> you're not that far off yeah. you know when when hans came to the u.s back in march and we went to the liquor store he did this thing where he decided oh i'm gonna go make my own six pack using a bunch of different beers and he would just take one cardboard retainer out and then do that and went up to the counter and just acted like that was normal so uh yeah he's got a lot of learning to do you anyway, can hey. do that here i don't know and then the the hold on the cashier okay. lady uh said that I needed to read my ID to her because she couldn't understand because it wasn't in English, but she was reading numbers. She got confused Remember by that? the year being in front of the month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 19, it says 1986. And she was like, I don't understand. What is this date? I don't get it. Yeah. Very, very uh, Quincy, a very Quincy moment. Well, <laughs> if it makes you feel, if it makes you feel any better, uh, I got used to, cause I was traveling internationally a lot. I just got used to using my passport as my ID and when I came back to the States, I was buying beer and I showed my passport and the lady looks at it and goes, this isn't valid. And I'm like, what? And she goes, it's expired. And I go, no, it's not. I said, it doesn't expire for another two years. And she goes, no, look at the expiration date. And she was pointing. And this is in English. I was like, this isn't fucking English. Like, can you fucking read? You fucking retard. Like she was pointing to the wrong. She was pointing to the issue date. Wow. I mean, She's I like, think this, to be... ex- this expired back in 2010, and I was like, "What?" I think what? to to be fair, to be to be fair, we might be expecting too much from a gas station employee uh, to no, be able working, to read that. This wasn't a gas station. This was like a fucking Whole Foods or something. Oh, which yeah. is a, like a, a white people, like a white people Whole Foods. Yeah, it was a white people store. There was another time. There was another time where I was at. Uh, there's a famous pub where I live called McGuire's Irish pub. Um, and their whole shtick, I guess, is having like dollar bills, like uh, stapled all over the walls and the ceilings and everything like that. Mm. Um, but whatever people, it's like a tourist trap. So, you know, when friends come down, we'll, we'll go like, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them there. And again, I was getting a beer and the waitress asked me for my ID and I give her my passport and she goes, passport's not a real id you got to give me something else and i'm like what (laughs) Uh, i hate that for the longest time i had a i had a passport card not a passport which gets you to like mexico on foot essentially you can't Mm -hmm. you know hop in a plane uh and people would just be bewildered anytime they'd look at that because i wasn't driving because i was in boston so you just take the subway kind of like new york 
And uh, they wouldn't know what to do with it. And they'd co go like consult somebody who's higher up in the business or whatever. And it would just become this whole, if anytime I tried to buy alcohol or do anything that like a legal adult only is allowed to go see R-rated yeah. movies. I'm 27 years old and I'm running into fucking trouble trying to get into like, trying to get into Suicide Squad or I don't know, whatever Dude, the hell the movie is out. I have the same problem. I'm turning 27 in two days. Um, and I have the same problem. Because I look, I do look younger than you. I look like I'm fucking 16. You yeah, you do. You are <laughs> younger than all of us. You're like 10 years younger We're than middle me. middle-aged yeah. men. You're on a call yeah. with old men right now. Yeah. No, this no, is no. hiding my bald spot, which is, which is my entire head. It's a bald spot. Yeah. But I look like um, I'm under, like, people think, especially when I shave, um, people think I'm like a teenager. I got, dude... I got fucking carded to see before midnight and I asked the person, I go, what kids are trying to sneak in? <laughs> like, I mean, I can understand if it's like some art, like I watched martyrs today, you know, I can understand if maybe you're trying to make sure kids aren't going in and seeing martyrs. Sure. That's different before midnight. What's it rated R for? They say what happens a in times? Yeah. Yeah. No, she shows her titties, I think, titties. or is that on the third one? Or no, is that no, a third no, that, no. that isn't before midnight. She shows her oh, okay. titties for like five seconds. Yeah. But oh, in like okay. a in like a non-sexual way at all. They're just having yeah. a conversation. She's just like, she, here's my like, titch. She's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's just like changing. Actually, Ethan Hawke yeah, said yeah. before midnight was his favorite of the trilogy because he got to see her tits. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, he seems like a cool dude. Just judging from that one statement. Yeah. Uh, on, on the topic of breasts, you know, we are talking about a female-directed film tonight. I think this might be the first female-directed film in the history of movies that we're covering. Hans, you might need to, you know, run a check on that. Uh, we're talking about... There's no breasts about... in this movie at all. No, there are. At yeah, all. There, oh, there's no, breasts, there's ass. Tiny, but... Yeah, they barely <laughs> he's, qualify he's saying, as breasts. They need, they need to be like, you gotta like, be able yeah. to have a hand, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. they're like half a hand, maybe. Mm, <laughs> Tiny I mean, hands. Yeah. <laughs> Very I have cut. big hands. Like I have big hands, so I, I require big boobs. I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, we haven't introduced our guest tonight. We have the Kino Corner, and now we're going to have to play some trickery, some games, where this is your first appearance, because I'm trying to get this episode out ASAP before any other okay. reviewers uh, check yeah. out a torrent oh, or yeah. wherever, wherever they yeah. saw this movie. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to be doing the scariest 61st, the, the inaugural feature from Red Scare's Dasha Nekrasova. Mm -hmm. are, are you a fan of this podcast at all? I had never heard of the podcast. Honestly, I'd never heard of it. I know Dasha from Wobble Palace and from working with Eugene Kotlarenko, who I am friends with. So I know Eugene Kotlarenko. He made Wobble Palace. He made a few others. He made Spree last year. And I know he's friends with Dasha because he worked with her, you know, a few times. Mm. That's how I know of Dasha. I, I don't know any of her podcast stuff. I know nothing about this girl of that she dated Adam from Comptown. Oh, right. That's yeah, it. she dated Adam. <laughs> oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. That's she the did. only thing I know about. Yeah. Yeah. Because they mean, would mention her. That's it. I know that she got like, okay, so there was like an argument between Dasha and Kantbot on Twitter where she used her releasing this movie as an own on him. He was like trolling her and she got into an argument. Do you guys know who Kantbot is? 
Yes, yes, yeah. I, I I followed Cop, and I, he also appears in TFW No GF as yeah, uh, he does. one of yeah. the breakout mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, yeah, so he does. So I guess they had some big Twitter argument, and she was like, well, I actually made a film, and it's very hard to do so, and I got into Berlin. Like, she got really defensive, and I'm like, you know, you're talking to Kampot. Like, there's no winning. <laughs> there's yeah. no winning when you talk to this guy. Like, he doesn't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I mean, not, I, yeah, he seems to be a man of conflict nowadays when it comes to Twitter. It seems like a, I, everybody's posting screenshots of some debate or fight or feud that's going on between CompBot and, and somebody else from yeah. the, like the general, very online Twitter sphere. Yeah, exactly. Which, thankfully, I'm not a part of. <laughs> yeah. Hans, obviously, you but, haven't returned just yet. Uh, you're there, but you're not there. We have to like we we have to you know put your seed in that account, like in Twin Peaks when Coop gets back to his real body. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's the process that Hans is going through right now with H word name on Twitter. Yeah, I need to start uh, paying for a VPN so that I can pretend that I'm not in Costa Rica, so they don't ban me. Hello. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you get a cut of the Patreon money that should cover your your VPN bill, Hans. <laughs> if you wanted yeah. to do that, just put in code Wang. Put yeah. in code Wang and get seventy five percent off NordVPN. That's what no, I no, because then you have to you have to pay for the whole year, so it's still like sixty bucks, which is like a week of my work time <laughs> that's not no <laughs> well third world problems <laughs> yeah so this is this is a horror movie it's a very unconventional horror yeah. movie by today's standards yeah. uh that mm-hmm. seems to take a page out of the giallo book but can't really commit to it uh i believe it was shot on and correct me if i'm wrong here I, yeah i thought it's 16 millimeter although and i was talking to jake hanrahan of uh popular front about this i was like yeah because we trade like mm-hmm. Uh, effects packs and like uh, Ezra Cohen shit for editing. It's like, yeah, it looks like they oh, downloaded yeah. Ezra Cohen to make it look a little more 16 millimeter. Like it wasn't 16 millimeter enough and they just wanted that little flare on the side. And Yeah, you know, okay, so I, I, I noticed that of course, me being like this 16 millimeter fag. Yeah, you, you would know, know like... of anybody. <laughs> you shoot your YouTube videos on 16 millimeter, so... <laughs> So yeah, so I I know a lot about this, and um, I was I was trying to think when I saw that shot, and it's like a close up shot of her doing some random stuff that's honestly not that like important, like filling up a water bottle. It, it was something like that, and you have that's like every this, scene, just every <laughs> scene in this movie, <laughs> and you have like this like red kind of coming in from the from the side, and it's made to look like it's a light leak. Mm-hmm. Um. I have had light leaks, you know, I did have some light leaks, um, on my movie, but I also wanted my movie to, to, to look a little bit more professional. So I got rid of them, <laughs> you know, um, like if there was a light leak on the side, I would just kind of slightly zoom it in a little bit, you know, just like, yeah, you know, not, not, not show it. Um, and, and it looked like they put in scratches because I was thinking, you know, what, I was thinking is that so they went through Metropolis Post uh, to process their film, and I have film at Metropolis Post right now being processed. 
So I was watching this movie and going, man, there's so many fucking scratches on this. You're just having a panic attack. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, holy shit, my film is going to come back and it's going to be awful. (laughs) Like I have, you know, I'm like, I just paid them like 200 bucks to process some film. And now... And now I'm watching this movie and I see it's by Metropolis Post. I'm like, like oh no. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think they, I, that did kind of feel like an overlay or like they're intentionally dirtying it up to make right. it seem like it was like this 1970s thing. Like, yeah, as you said, Jallo or mm-hmm. like Abel, Fer- like early Abel Ferrara. It, it felt style. like they had an idea that just simply shooting in 16 millimeter alone would make it look like Grindhouse, like Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez is that Grindhouse movie. And then they got yeah. it back and it was a little too clean for them or what they were imagining and then just dirtied it up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause 16, like film nowadays is way more, um, way more crisp than it used to be because people think about like digital, you know, photography, you know, getting better and better, but film photography also gets better and better. They increase Mm -hmm. the, the, the clarity of a film just with each passing year, you know, like it's, it's always getting better. And so like, that was the whole reason that Paul Thomas Anderson on Phantom Thread, he shot the movie in 35 millimeter. And when it came back, it was way too just clean. It was way too, uh, uh just it didn't like you didn't see any grain or anything like that it was just super crisp and so he blew it up to 70 millimeter and then and to get the grain and then printed on the 35 so that he got the so by blowing it up he was able to kind of get more grain out of it because he Mm. wanted it to look a little bit grainier than it actually was Mm. you know and 16 millimeter will look grainy um but what I was noticing in the, in the frame were like scratches, hairs, things like that. Um, light leaks and stuff that like, just from a personal perspective, I wouldn't ever like let into my film, you know, like right. I'd be like, wait, so you don't think that was on purpose? No, I think it was on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I now, in, in, in fairness, the, the screener that was obtained and watched uh, not the cleanest screener in the world. A lot of pixelation, a lot of uh, you know fractal uh, problems with that. Very, so yeah, it was very compressed. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. and at two GB, yeah. it should have been cleaner looking. I'm mm-hmm. thinking so. It was a very amateur uh, job for for that. So may, I mean, look when the the official like streamer version comes <laughs> out or a, a Blu-ray, you know, maybe it's going to look crisp and beautiful. It's kind of hard to say. So I'm not gonna it's, I'm not gonna uh... fault them necessarily uh, okay okay we know how you feel uh, about the movie we'll, we'll get into that shortly but visually speaking i would say uh you know i don't fault them for going in that one uh, you know stylistic direction um and i can't say whether or not it could have been executed better until i see a, a cleaner version of that so i'll, I'll reserve yeah. i was harsh also thinking this, on that end i was also thinking the same thing that i would have liked to see a cleaner version of it because of how it was shot on film and I figured out that it was shot on 16 millimeter film pretty early on, um, just by the way that the colors looked and the way that the light was picked up and, and things like that. And um, also just the aspect ratio, which that 185 by one is a typical super 16 aspect ratio. Right. Um, uh, but I was like, man, this is, they like compressed this like really strangely. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what they did. Um, you know, yeah, and well, it just had this we'll, we'll see if it makes a difference or not. I, I mean, 
Well, let's get to the content of the movie itself. So this is a movie about uh, one of Jeffrey Epstein's sex slaves possessing a girl. And um, is it about they... that though? Is it well, what do you think it's he... about, Hans? I think it's about girls that discover that they're horny after doing drugs, so they're gonna have sex with each other, and then, oh my god. Let me read you these three, four texts about Jeffrey Epstein and look at what he did. Never mind. Let's go have sex again. Oh, I just killed you. The end. That's what I saw. <laughs> That's what I got from that fucking thing. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I understand and appreciate the, all of those technical aspects that you guys are talking about. But I feel like if you want to use these visual elements, you should at least care enough so that your movie doesn't look like a mistake so that the takes well, what about it? Hold on. Like, what about it looks like a mistake it, a, a lot of the shots just well uh, every time there's a there's a handheld shot it was shaky as fuck to the point where it's like okay so i understand that it's supposed to be a handheld but this looks terrible um i didn't like anything about the look of it uh, i understand that they were trying to do some type of uh, Diallo, like uh, old Italian uh, movie, uh, horror movie type of thing. But I feel like instead of becoming that, just because it, it wasn't good enough, but it also wasn't bad enough to be so bad is good, that the whole time I was watching it felt like the 20 minutes of that Glenn Danzig movie that we watched when we were oh, in Boston. No, 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 that's not comparable yeah, at all. Th that, that's exactly what, because, because it's just like the acting was terrible. The script was horrendous. People that talk like no one speaks, uh, using edgy words just to get a reaction, but that don't fit and don't sound natural. Oh, are you being out a prude right now? Because people said retard and faggot. No, I, no I, they I were saying cuck, like it's 2016. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say those I words that, here. Yeah. I say those words here all the time, but when you use them as a, I'm trying to be edgy thing, I'm look at it. Look at the word I'm using, like very obvious for that. It just doesn't hit. What, what wound can... up happening is I think this movie felt like a very, uh, like an inside joke among Twitter users, top to bottom, like the way that they talked about Epstein in a very like obvious way. Like they're talking to stupid people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Sure. I mean, visually though, I think the, the only thing that I found, uh, you know, uh, lo lower par would, would probably be that the set design was inconsistent because you have like a lot of just blank apartment walls and it starts to have a, yeah. a feel like tiny furniture, the Alina uh, Dunham movie, yeah. which well, you yeah, have three was, walls to shoot on. Of, and yeah, I had some friends it, yeah. asking me about this film, like how would you describe this movie? And I said, I was like, it's like if girls wanted to be a horror film, you know? Yeah. Like if, I, I like, think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, like the characters feel like they're out of girls, you know, like yeah. just these sort of yuppie New York uh, don't actually do anything, but have a lot of like daddy's money kind of kind of people. And they also have nothing interesting to say or talk about. So it's just mundane bullshit that is just. Yeah. And they're drinking great. fucking White Claw. What the fuck? Like, come on. Uh, you got to mm. have like a real beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I, I guess my, my problem with it was that I, if it was self-aware enough to make fun of it and make it obvious that they're making fun of it, fine. I would go with it and make fun Hold of on. it. I think but that's at the times problem. You feel, Wait, I think I, you just pointed out the problem right there is that they are making fun of it and they are self-aware enough to make fun of it, but it's not obvious and it's not necessarily like it. they're so good at it that it's not obvious. No. I, I think the amateur aspects of it make that confusing to somebody yeah. who knows – 
especially to someone like you who knows very little about uh, Dasha or or her background. Yeah. I'm zero from. I've never listened to her. Again, like all I know is that uh, compound thing, but. That, that's the problem that, okay, so if you're going to make fun of something, make it obvious that you're making fun of something, but the dialogue didn't really fit with the emotion that they were trying to portray in some of the scenes. So so I, I was very confused as, as to like, okay, so am I supposed to be laughing at these people? Am I supposed to not like these people? Because that's the only reaction that I got of just like, well, this is a horror movie. I hope they all die. And then... Wait, Hans. Okay, even guys, that, what? Um not to change the subject, but I want to audition to be in this film right now. All right. Okay. Post its conclusion. You, you want to audition. Yeah. Have you heard of Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> no. <laughs> he likes, who's, who's that? He like lived in this Wait, house. but you have to puke. You have to, you have to throw up first after looking at blood. You see blood and you throw up and then you're just like, Whew. have you heard I, of Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> just what? I'm here because what the fuck? I'm here because I'm 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 looking for I'm investigating Jeffrey Epstein. Uh are you like a a reporter? No, no. No. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's just a like thing. what am I like I I I, I said out loud what am I watching like five times throughout this whole movie. <laughs> um, I, I texted I texted Lorez and I was like, is this some kind of lesbian film? <laughs> yeah, it gets well, very it women like in a, love midway through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it also kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh yeah, I, I'm yeah. It's like okay, so this one girl, you think she's a Jehovah's Witness the one night the next night you're literally fucking her (laughs) (laughs) well no how about how about um first i'm what is it the owner of the place and i need you to sign a contract let me just walk into your apartment oh wait i'm gonna throw up wait i'm i'm actually an investigator and investigating the guy and she's like yeah you can stay over yeah just oh yeah 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 yeah. they jump to the everything they're just best friends right (laughs) away you don't even you don't i don't think you know the character's name at any point no she's just called the girl she she doesn't have a name in the script she's just called the girl who okay? What what is everybody's favorite character in this movie? Because my favorite character, I think, was uh, was Greg. Because there's a lot of guys like that. They nailed that type of dude. That's like every third guy on the street around here in New York. My favorite character was Prince Andrew. <laughs> he got <laughs> was some in the pussy pictures. In this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who was is was that the boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he's just uh, like, yeah. God. No, I, I I liked when he was hitting on the one chick after his his girlfriend died. He didn't know. And he's just like, <laughs> oh, the drama in that scene when when Dasha storms in and she's like, your your girlfriend's dead, Greg, and it's just like communicating nothing in spite of you know raising your voice. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> your girlfriend's dead, Greg. <laughs> it's kind of like, have you guys ever seen a um uh. Gosh, I'm definitely gonna be burning a bridge with this this one. But Dasha's Fuck I don't it. know, like Dasha's acting. I thought her directing of <laughs> whatever was fine with, for for what it was, but her acting Wait, directing of what? The actors? Is that what you're no, implying? Okay, that she I, did I a good job? Like, okay. No, like, okay, thank okay. you. Yeah, all right. So no I have I no mean, connection like, to her, so I'm like, like <laughs> yeah. sh- you know, like the shot comp like the shot composition stuff like that, right? But right. the acting, there's just something about like she always has the same face, 
and it's always like this like bored expression on her face. It's like she doesn't want to be there. Yeah, and they wait, all have the same. But, wait, 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 wait a second. No, now that's her character. To... That is like that. That's her character as a person as well. Like, so if we're talking about a movie star, you're like, why is Jack Nicholson always charming and like? You know, like he, how dare like, you? How, <laughs> just, dare how fucking? How, what the fuck? How Chinatown just, and it's hey, fucking I'm, Hustle Palace or whatever the fuck? What is that? I don't even. I don't even know that movie. Love. I just That's, know that she. I just know that she's done it. So I'm just I, shitting on it. Uh, I don't, I don't no, know anything I about. Saw, like, Terrence Howard, <laughs> small team. Talking about Jack Nicholson. I saw you were posting that that great scene from Five Easy Pieces where he's in the oh yeah in the diner. Such a good scene. Very <laughs> comparable. You know, I was thinking a lot about this movie, and it just drew me to five easy pieces. There's a lot of over. They're both indie films. You yeah. Know? Uh, mm-hmm. But no, I'm, just, I'm like. <laughs> let, let's think about let's think about yeah, giallo like, films. That's where it ends. <laughs> in general, the acting in giallo films is never really good. Okay, no, so right. it's not out of spirit with that. So mm-hmm. I mean, to to a degree, like. Is it is it noticeable in a negative way that the acting is maybe not up to snuff? Sure, of course. Any type of movie, you know, regardless of whatever the context is for the film you're watching, yes. But for this type of movie, I think it's, and especially given the length, I think it's passable. I think it's fine. Yeah, the movie's super short and um, nothing you know, happens. So, so it's like barely over an hour yeah. and you're done. You know, so. I do think the intro is is a little overlong because sorry, excuse me. They're just kind of sitting in that like apartment. Did you just see blood? Are you nauseous right now? Are you are you about to (laughs) feel Is there a bloody mattress in that house? No, he's he's thinking about the movie, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so I wanna say this the the intro is overlong, but the outro was like way too quick. Because it's like it went from zero to one hundred super fucking fast mm-hmm. and you're just like going like wait 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 wh- like wait what you know and i'm like okay how, how did we get here again so she went from taking photos of prince andrew and stuffing them in her <laughs> pussy to now it's human sacrifice like is, is there is, was there ever going to be like a build-up and another mm-hmm. thing about the possession right uh, is that her possession was very just like one note, like something that makes like a possession in a movie like The Exorcist really great is that the demon sort of takes on its own character and has like a lot of different aspects to it. And you know what I mean? And presents a lot of like moral issues to the other characters, things like it that. Build, it builds to something it, too. It, and it builds yeah. to something. Whereas in this, it's just sort of like, oh, wow, she likes to masturbate a lot now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's horny. Doorknobs. Yeah. Wow. Public doorknobs. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's very arousing. Yes, that's good. Yeah, so, uh, so, I think. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest flaws with that that possession sequence is like the opportunity to change her appearance somehow. I mean, I mean, aside from the sweater that she's wearing, uh, you could have done something visually with that to make it a little more interesting or to sell it more because that was very. Kind of, kind of cringe at times. I'll say, yeah. uh, but if she, I mean, look, if she was doing all that and had like it, just white contact lenses in, there's at least like a say, little bit more, uh, you know, slack you can cut. You know, like because obviously, I, well, um, it's not that obvious, but I'm working on the video and come and see right now. 
And one of the things they did in that film was depending upon the mood and depending upon the emotion, they would have different, slightly different colored, like contact lenses in his eyes to give off, you know, different emotions. And they would also color his hair a little bit. So if you notice at the end, he has gray hairs in his, on his head to sort of show that he's like aged so much. It's not super noticeable, but it's there as a sort of like visual arc, you know, for his character. And they could have done that. I mean, like color contacts aren't really that expensive at all. Yeah. And far less painful than in 1984 or five, whenever they shot Cone (laughs) scene, you had glass in your eye, like little slivers of glass. Oh yeah. I feel like they were still doing that in the late, 20th century because in the scene in Wes Anderson's Rushmore where he cries they use that same solution that has like the tiny glass for him to cry oh wow oh yeah, yeah it's like putting an ashtray in your eye essentially <laughs> yeah yeah this movie feels like a series of oh they could have done this now that you mentioned that you know like this could have been improved by this like I I feel like the the story, like I would have cared a little bit more if the characters actually got into the Epstein thing. I, I, I at no point I believed that they were going to get involved in anything like that, and it just felt like the Epstein. Well, there was thing there was, was a just... lot of info dumps where you would just rattle off all sorts of like knowledge about Epstein and what he was up to, and then you get like the nice Google Chrome sequence montage, yeah, right? But, but how does that make you footage. the best? Okay, I want to say it's the best scene of the movie, right? By far, and when I say by far, I mean like here's here's like the movie. Here is the best scene. Just like and imagine it's like seventy three miles between. Is when Greg is playing a fucking hentai game in the (laughs) sex with the crazy bitch. He's like, "Do you think they're hot?" And he's like, "Oh, I haven't even, I haven't even looked at that." And it's just like a big titted, just big titted uh, cartoon characters. The whole thing. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then he's yeah. like, "Can you see? I'm busy. I'm focusing right now." I was like, "Dude, this guy's yeah. a real Chad." <laughs> no, obviously, just... obviously, like that also is like a Twitter joke. Of yeah, you know, like the. You know, there, there's definitely guys on. Like, I thought some of the stuff in the movie was funny. Like, that obviously was funny. I thought it was funny. I was like, oh, that's that's good. And I know that they were playing some stuff off for laughs, but there is this sort of tonal dissonance in the movie where you're not quite like it's not quite sure if it's meant to be for laughs or not, and it changes between what it feels like it's trying to be serious versus it feels like it's trying to be comedic and it's hard to take any of the films seriously. Right. There there are films that can really ride that line, like not to mention it again, but Sallow definitely in a clockwork orange are two films that Mm -hmm. do ride that line of like being funny and also being serious, but it's also, but you also are readily like you readily know which scene is serious and which scene is supposed to be sort of just darkly funny. And right. with this, it's kind of like, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I guess maybe because of the acting, 
I think the big problem is uh, what I had said before, which is that it feels like a lot of Twitter inside jokes. So my impression was it jumps. I mean, I don't know necessarily if the comedy is, uh, you know, too stark a contrast with the rest of the film so much as it feels like, well, this is just a joke to us. Like this isn't meant to be taken seriously at all as a film. Uh, that component with something like uh, Kevin Smith's Tusk, where it's like, ha ha ha, this is such a stupid thing. I can't believe we're doing this right now. Oh, but also care about this thing that's happening in the plot or whatever. It jumps too much between that and it gives off that confused vibe of how are you supposed to be perceiving this? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a, it feels a bit confused. Like the movie doesn't quite know what it wants to be. And that's not to say that like a movie can't be serious and be comedic at the same time. Like I said, there's plenty of films that do that very well. They toe that line because I, I, I think the confusion comes from within a scene. Like if it's funny or if it's kind of goofy and then it's like serious and it's goofy again or something like that, there's just like a weird sort of, and you don't quite know maybe because of, the directing style or because of the acting style and you're like is this supposed to be a joke like then you can't engage when you should be engaging with the character yeah that's the, that's the problem but the the acting is not it's not bad enough to be like a so bad it's good or like so obvious that this is a joke so whenever you're supposed to care for them you don't know if it's a joke or you're supposed to care for the character or whatever's happening to them yeah so then there's there's no connection there because you don't know when you're supposed to be like, oh, I, I get that that's mm-hmm. not serious or, you know, this is actually happening. So there's right. a, like a disconnect there that I just, you know, don't end yeah. up caring for anyone. And, and I'm not saying that like, you know, in movies, you should be like, all right, this scene is serious or this scene is comedic. Like there are films that that, you know, people will initially find like disturbing and then upon rewatching, be like oh actually that was that was funny like american psycho is, is a great example mm. where it's like maybe the first time you watch it you watch it and you don't quite know right. much about it you might find it pretty disturbing and then you rewatch it and you're like wait this dude is naked with a chainsaw and he literally throws it down the staircase <laughs> and then and, and gets her and then it immediately cuts to him just like breaking up with his fiance saying like yeah you can have your friends you know it's just yeah. and he's like drawing it like with a crayon and it's like oh okay i see like this is this is actually a funny movie like right so there's plenty of films like that but this but one then, it just feels confused. Like you, you don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not because it's not funny enough to be funny like American Psycho where it is funny enough to where you're like laughing out loud watching it. But I, this film I, is not. I think a lot think of that is, problem could have been solved. I, I mean, if she was directing, uh, I mean, if she had some more experience under her belt as a director, I think those are things that you probably work out with your, your first film, especially. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, that's what I would cite a lot of that, uh, issue to is just the, the nubileness behind the camera. Go ahead, Hans. But also in American Psycho, uh, they do a really good job as, uh, at, uh, presenting how crazy this guy is right from the yeah. beginning. You, you listen to the narration, you, you see his daily routine. So you know that if you see anything crazy or, or his reaction 
uh, uh, that goes overboard to what like a normal pe- person would do. It makes sense because it's this maniac that we've been following from the beginning. In this movie, we don't get to know anyone. So whenever they do something, we don't care because we don't know who they are as a character. But these characters so, are vapid and they're meant to be vapid anyway. And the, if you spent more time with them, I think you would get bored very quickly. There's not yeah. a whole lot to learn about. The, they're two-dimensional I mean, I, I didn't need to spend... Yeah, exactly. Stereotypes. Yeah. But, but then... But, but then what am I supposed to care about? Is this just a, it's right. just a joke movie then that so, I don't understand? I have one criticism of what you just said, Hans, and this is actually yeah. a major criticism where I think you're very wrong. You said All that right. we know that Patrick Bateman <laughs> is a maniac from his morning routine. Um, I believe yeah. that I have made it very clear that I have the same morning routine as Patrick Bateman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, know, we know you're also not, not okay. <laughs> look, I can bring up both my, look, I can bring up both the, the book uh, American Psycho and my 4K Ultra HD copy of American Psycho, which I will play in my Sony 4K Blu-ray player um, on my... <laughs> I just want to know: do do you often have arguments with ATMs? I think that's where I. Yeah, well, I've killed a few cats that way. <laughs> just shove them in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, actually, uh, have you ever read the book American Psycho? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I read it maybe about like ten years ago, and yeah, I, that's I, a long time ago. But yeah, yeah. there's a really <laughs> there's a really funny scene where he's like, he sees a pride parade. And he freaks the fuck out and he has to run away from the pride parade. And, you know, and damn, that, like, that was me this weekend. I saw the <laughs> dike march in New York City. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And he was like, and the, one of the lines in the movie, and it's almost, it's almost funnier because, you know, Brett Easton Ellis is gay. And he's like, what? One man t- <laughs> <laughs> don't do that to him. You know, don't, don't, don't. He's don't, don't a man. Don't hurt Loris like that. <laughs> That's uh, one of his heroes. Yeah, <laughs> but there's like there's like a line in the book where he's like, he goes, "What did they have pride in? Sodomizing other men." <laughs> I'm like, ah, uh, dang, Brett, you're gay, but you're one of those base gays. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you listen to his podcast? Yeah. <laughs> No, I haven't listened to his podcast. He's been doing a, a serialized novel to open his podcast recently where it'll just like it'll be three hour shows, but an hour and a half of that will be The Shards, which is a book he's written, and he'll do like a chapter each week. And it's actually pretty okay. solid. I don't think Brett's That's been cool. been uh, you know, top notch as of recent. I wasn't a big fan of Imperial Bedrooms. I thought that was very sloppy for for a follow up to Less Than Zero, but uh this has been like a very solid Solid. I would call it a solid read, but I've been listening to it. So yeah, were you not oh, were you not a fan of the Canyons? Well, that's a little different. That's 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 too. Uh, that's uh, Brady Smells, one of the great American novelists and, Paul and auteur Paul Schrader. And yeah. how can you go wrong with that? And then and Master Lindsay Lovemaker Lohan. James Dean. You know James and Dean and Lindsay Lohan, Lohan right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You gotta, Kino. You gotta read the. Uh, the what was it like it, an article was written for maybe hollywood reporter or esquire one of these outlets and it just details 
the troubled making of that film and how Paul Schrader fell in love with Lindsay Lohan and was like banging on her hotel room door trying to get her to come out. It is, uh, My it's man. so much, so, so much better than the movie. He rules so hard. Dude, he's so great. Awesome. Still, he's he's back to <laughs> yeah. posting. He'll he'll preface with like Focus Features doesn't want me to do this, but I have to yeah, just yeah. say real quick. Just because we're talking about Paul Schrader, look at what I have handy right now. Very nice. Yeah, and beautiful. What's that? That's Mishima that? on Criterion. Mishima. Oh, that's the yeah, and that's the movie that I did. I still haven't watched. The ah, nice, nice. Yukio Mishima's Yukio oh. Mishima's Patriotism. Patriotism. Okay, they go side yeah. by side. I believe they're 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 one in one, chronological to to one another in the Criterion Collection. Yeah, yeah, they are. And then I just got um, Masaki Kobayashi's The Human Condition. Nice. I don't think I've seen that. Hmm. Yeah, it's a 10 hour long film um, split up into three parts. So uh, I'll probably tackle it this week while I'm house sitting. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like a good opportunity, too. You know? Yeah, exactly. Also, for Um, people who aren't going to understand, I recommended both of those on our prequel show that's going to be released after this show. So look forward to that. Three episodes, (laughs) prequel shows. Sorry, Hans. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Kino, do you want to tell Loris about Symbol? About Symbol? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, what, what is this? What is Symbol? Okay. So what's the guy's name? He made Big Man Japan. Uh, James... Matsumoto. Uh, no. Uh, hmm. I always forget his name. I, I, I don't know why. It's a Japanese comedian. Hitoshi Matsumoto. Yeah. Matsumoto. Yeah. Hitoshi Matsumoto. So Symbol. Okay. It's a pretty straightforward movie. Um, Lores, you would definitely like it because it's got a very sort of traditional three-act structure. Um, it's got Asian people in it. It's got so. Asian people in it. <laughs> and so I would say that the movie is probably like more normal or bland than even like your worst Spielberg film. So just go into it knowing that, okay? So it follows two stories. One is about a Lucha Libre boxer in Mexico and his family, and they're getting ready for a Lucha Libre fight. And then the other story is about a Japanese man who's imprisoned in this angelic uh, cube filled with baby dicks. Okay. All (laughs) right. (laughs) And so um, it's all these like cupids you know, Cupid statue type of things. And the entire walls are covered with like the Cupid penises. And to get- Starting to understand why Hans recommended this movie now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to to get what he wants, he has to press the the dicks down to touch the balls. And then like a window will open and things will come out, you know? So so maybe it's like a, a vase or maybe water comes down or maybe some African warlord just kind of runs through the room, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's and somehow yeah. in this, in his uh, journey in this spiritual realm of Cupid penises is linked to that Lucha Libre fight in Mexico. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so yeah, at the end they they come. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I I'm yeah I, I probably won't check that out, but I just, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's great. 
It's, yeah. I, I, it was very difficult to find it online, but I downloaded it and it was everything I, I expected it would be. So it was. I, is this a I recent movie? This... Is this from the uh, 21st 2000... century? It's 2007, 2000... I think. Yeah, Nine, 2009. 2009. It's on yeah. this. It's on this channel called like Spam Flicks, which sounds like a phishing site, but it's like some site for like weird, super weird, obscure movies where you can like rent you know the vods of these films so i i rented it for like five bucks and i watched it um that's how i got it is it actually any good or is it just purely novelty i thought it was actually pretty good like it's it's sort of like um it's more like a slapstick comedy because the the guy's a comedian so it feels definitely parts almost parts of it almost feel like it's something like modern harold lloyd or like charlie chaplin or you know stuff like Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of like this slapstick that goes on and it's a very goofy movie it's actually really entertaining like i wasn't bored watching it that very over the top japanese humor you know Mm -hmm. that i mean every japanese comedy show has that very over the top like over i guess overacted i don't know but uh it's it's definitely very entertaining and uh yeah it's not even though it's in any part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even though it's weird, and also the the way it's shot is really interesting too, just because of the weirdness of everything that's happening. Like the the way it's shot also complements yeah. it really well. So Matsumoto uh, also made a film called R One Hundred. Um, did I tell you guys about this movie? Yeah, before? I haven't seen that one, but oh uh, yeah, I got so R One Hundred. I think that's a little bit easier to find. You can get that on Vudu, I think it's on Vudu or it's on one of those like just like video on demand sites. Um, but it's about a Japanese guy. His wife is in like a vegetative state in a coma, right? He's so he's like a single dad. He's a salesman. He doesn't have that much going for him. He needs a little excitement in his life. He needs just a little bit of excitement in his life. So, so he goes to this dominatrix place, except this dominatrix place doesn't operate like how most places do no you don't go to a private room have some woman you know pour candle wax on your back or something like that they come and find you in your day-to-day life and they beat you up randomly throughout the day. <laughs> so he gets off on like these women just like showing up randomly throughout his everyday life like in the street like just the scene of like him walking and then this leather clad dominatrix just comes out of nowhere and starts kicking the shit out of him. And, you know, and he just has like this euphoria and then it gets weirder because the movie is making fun of the Japanese director, Seijun Suzuki. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Mm-hmm. He made Tokyo drifter. Yeah. And, you know, he made these movies that were like nonsensical so the film is like this frame narrative of this of this old director who's a hundred years old, and he looks exactly like Seijun Suzuki. So I know you know that they're definitely like you know making this as a parody of him. And he was saying like this is a movie that only people one hundred years older, one hundred years old and older can understand. And so then the dominator sees get superpowers, <laughs> like one dominator, one dominator dominatrix is like the queen of gobbling and she can just gobble anybody up and then you know and then there's like a conversation of like is gobbling a part of the bdsm community <laughs> like do people eat each other <laughs> and, you know like the producers are all getting together in between these things and like wait this this doesn't make that much sense um <laughs> and then the editing of the film is so there's a whole scene 
where he gets tied up, right? He has like the blindfold over him and everything. And the queen of saliva comes in and she just starts, and she's like this fat lady that just is spitting these wads of like water on him. And the whole scene where she just like juices a whole bunch of different, like, uh, (laughs) you know, like peaches and avocados or whatever, and like drinks it and just spits it onto him. And, and it's edited in the weirdest way where he's just like envisioning everybody that he knows, just like spitting all these like, fruit juices on but it's also it's it's also it's also set with like the background of this guy very very being very conservative and very you know by by the book type of thing so then you exactly have that shit thrown on top of it and it's i don't this just sounds like every other japanese film it sounds very ozu (laughs) very good morning oh yeah good yeah exactly it's just like good morning um except you know in good morning they they touch their noses and they fart and then they fart this one (laughs) yeah and and this one it's like they touch their noses and then he gets he comes after you know getting physical so it's a spiritual sequel is what you're saying (laughs) yeah exactly it's a spiritual (laughs) sequel to good morning uh, I, uh, to to try and link this to uh, Scariest Sixty First, you th- hey, do you think that this movie could have benefited for from leaning into the surrealist aspects a little harder? I think so. I think that they played off like they were trying to play off like this like girl drama a little bit too much, and I think that they really they really missed opportunities when it came to the third act they wanted to jump straight to the human sacrifice they wanted to jump straight to oh wow they're possessed or oh wow like you know like shit's crazy man when i think it would have really benefited if they were slowly bringing that in and maybe making things more i don't know like yeah more surreal more dreamlike the closest you know, thing we get yeah. are like the uh, subliminal images that are taken from just like Google image, Jeffrey mm-hmm, Epstein yeah. search, where they just yeah. put his face and they like recycle the gargoyles on his building. Yeah. The closest they got to Jeffrey Epstein was going to that prison and masturbating in front of it. Yeah. Uh, Hans, what could this movie have done better to put you over the edge to have a positive review of this. I don't think you said a single thing positive about this movie. Uh, uh, everything, <laughs> everything. Again, I don't, I don't think I was a fan of, of anything because even when, uh, w- when you can see that the tech, Oh wait, the music, I did enjoy the music. I did like the music a lot. Uh, like the original, very synthy music that they had on it. Uh, but, yeah, I guess the, the the biggest disconnect with me was that I, I didn't know if I was supposed to laugh at the movie or with the movie. Because most of the time I was angry at the movie and angry that I had to watch the movie. Uh, so uh, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't think that any of the actors are particularly good. I don't know if you can get a good performance out of them because they just seem disinterested to be there. I'm just... gonna I'm gonna come in and and, def- and white knight yeah. for Dasha right now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I was watching this and I was watching this not under the guise if I'm gonna compare this to, you know, like films made by people who 
really know what they're doing, but I'm gonna right. com- like I'm gonna come into this going like this is a first film. This is kind of like a practice film, in a sense, you know, because like, most f- very first films, like look, look, Quentin Tarantino won't even release his first film. Um, oh, it's, well, that got it's that, that, that got scorched, right? I mean, I I don't know if the full thing is even around. No, I don't know if it's. It, it, I yeah, I don't know if it's around. Also, Richard Linklater's first film is like shot on Super Eight um, by himself or something like that. Like it's called like uh, it's literally just about him learning how to make a film, you know. And I do see film as a craft. Like you get better with time, as far as like the the filmmaking aspect of things goes. Like maybe you do kind of hit a peak period where you know your writing is is better, but like. I am kind of on the Ingmar Bergman side of things. Like, I honestly thought his movies got better with time. Like, Fanny and Alexander being just probably my favorite Bergman. Um, but uh, but he didn't start with an Ed Wood movie, though. No, his he didn't career start, didn't start no, with Glenn. You, but have you seen have you seen Ingmar Bergman's like very first movies? I I, I don't they're know. they're they're okay, um, but they're not like that great. Like, they're okay but they're not super great that they're very kind of mediocre. Um, You know, they're interesting to watch for like a Bergman fan, like myself who wants to see like, where did he start off? You know, but yeah, I mean, they had some amateurish moments and stuff like that. I mean, probably better than scary on 61st, but like I did go into this going like, okay, this is like a thesis film. This is like a, very first didn't have a lot of money to make a movie blah 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 trying to learn how to do it i'm a little bit more lenient on things when yeah, it comes right. to that i think it, i mean it, when you take a look at most directors it feels like their first movie is actually more like their third movie or their fourth movie if you take a look at like yeah, kubrick yeah. i feel like yeah, spiritually yeah, yeah. the killing is considered his his real first movie even though he had uh fear I mean, and desire fear and, and desire which sucked yeah it's terrible it's not good <laughs> Yeah, there's, well, there's that's, that's glimpses the thing. of promise one, in it, but it's this one I mean, feels like a graduation film from film school. You know that you're just presenting to your class, and there's a lot, there's mistakes and like very amateurish things that happen, and the performances aren't great, and it feels like something you will be watching with your classmates when you're done film school. But then presented as that because no, this I, is presented I, as like a you know I mean, like a, like a real. Like, no, but how else would you present it, though? Like, because she's not in film school, but, like, this is her first movie. So, like, how else would, you know, would you present it? Like, you're going to, you know, present it as, like, here's the the cast and the crew and everything. And, you know, it's it's a film festival movie. Like, really, at the end of the day, it, it's showing at some film festivals. I think it's playing at the Moscow International Film Festival tomorrow. Um, It was in Berlin. And I think that maybe some of the backlash against her came when she announced that it was at Berlinale because Berlinale is a very um high end prestigious it's very prestigious yeah and it's like okay so there was I think there was this idea that like this film must be like when I was at Berlinale I went to the uh world premiere of the Grand Budapest Hotel it was also at the red carpet of Nymphomaniac when I was at Berlinale. That was when Shia LaBeouf had the uh, cardboard uh, or the, the paper the, bag head. The paper yeah. bag head and said, I am not famous anymore or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
So, God, I wish it, he would come back. I miss Shia LaBeouf so much. <laughs> Actually, he, he popped up in somebody's like TikTok or something, saying happy birthday, and that's about it. Yeah. That's all we've gotten from him in a bit. He, got, he has to go back and work with Lars. Since yeah, Trump, right? Does. Trump ruined it. No, too. it wasn't Trump. No, no, no. Did he got he got fun because he he will not divide us and things like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he also had but Honey then, Boy, which I thought was a pretty uh, pretty oh, good film. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, he got some Me Too allegations. He got hit with that, and then he was oh, like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of true. It's a little. Dude, I wouldn't say that, but it's true enough. And then he just dude disappeared. And you work in Hollywood. Come on, like. <laughs> but you yeah. do know that he would still get work though because he's that good. He will. Like I, I, I think it's yeah. only a matter of time. And look. I mean, look, look, it's a lot of, oh, it was a, it was emotional abuse that I suffered and I woke up and he was strangling me. Okay. Is that enough to not work in Hollywood? He, <laughs> like, he was a lot of girls laugh at that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's just being kinky. I thought he, you wanted this. <laughs> he had his foot on the gas and he wouldn't slow down unless I said, I love you to him. It's like, oh, okay, all right. Come on. That's very Shia I mean, LaBeouf. That's exactly what you should But also, exactly. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like when, when this Marlene Manson thing came out and, and, and the girl is like, can you believe that he was doing like sacrifices and blood, whatever the fuck? And it's like, yeah, it's Marilyn. That's put me his on a leash image. and I was naked. Yeah. And I was walked around his mansion and I like, was appalled. I couldn't guys, believe I guys. did all like, that. Can you like, are you aware that? of his existence before you get with him are at you, all? Are you guys aware <laughs> that Klaus Kinski was just insane? Can you believe it? I would never, I, I would never assume that of Klaus Kinski, especially after, you know, having watched my best fiend, you know, or hearing all the stories from Werner Herzog did an interview just out of the blue with, uh, I think it was Lawrence Strauss last month. And uh, it's a very like based in red pilled interview where he's talking about <laughs> cancel culture is bad. I like Trump and uh, Nomadland is kind of shitty for representing the Midwest. Oh, dude, he thought it I represented gotta, I, mobility better than dude, the Midwest. I gotta, so I got to tell you about um, I went to a uh, Werner Herzog gave it uh, like a talk slash class on documentary filmmaking in L.A. And I went to that. It was at the Academy. And um, the moderator, the presenter, you know, was talking to him, kind of getting stuff out of him was uh, Ann Thompson. I don't know if you guys know who that is. She's one of the head writers for IndieWire. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cuckwire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it was so fucking funny, dude. I was laughing my ass off the entire time. So one of the first things is she's like, all right, so we're going to talk about, you know, Fitzcarraldo. And she, she like, you know, we're in like a cinema room. And so they start showing like a scene from Fitzcarraldo. And it's like in like 240p. Werner Herzog just gets up. He looks at it. He goes, stop this. He goes, I don't know what fucking retarded internet pirates found this clip online. But I can assure you that we shot this in 35 millimeter. And it looks a lot better. Do not show any more of this, lest people think that my films look like this. And then, like, so then, like, later on, you know, he's talking about the stuff he did to, to get stuff done in documentaries and whatnot. And we get, to, and, you know, we get to the point in his career where Little Deter Needs to Fly, which is a great documentary for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, which was made into a film called Rescue Dawn. And oh, yes, so he's, yeah. So he was talking about how he actually had the script for the movie first, 
couldn't get the funding for it, but could get funding to make the documentary. He did that, and the documentary gained enough traction to get studio attention, so he was able to make the film. You know, which actually is a really good just business investment idea. And um, there's a lot of interesting stories about that. But when first talking about it, Ann Thompson goes, Werner, I really love your movie. Little Dieter Learns to Fly. And he immediately cuts her up. And he goes, it is not Little Dieter Learns to Fly. It is Little Dieter Needs to Fly. (laughs) (laughs) How, How do you prepare... For an interview to Werner Herzog and not know that he's yeah. like the most detail-oriented fucking old man that you're gonna find. And yeah, and then it's but probably my fa- okay. So my two favorite moments from a little later on in the night when we got to st- talking about Bad Lieutenant Porter called New Orleans, and she oh, yeah. goes, and she goes, and that's probably. Uh, one of Nicolas Cage's best performances. He goes, he goes, it is not one of Nicolas Cage's best performances. It is his best performance. He says, he goes, the, he goes, the performance, the, you know, the, the performance that was second was miles and miles and miles below is what is whatever he won the Oscar for. And then she goes, Oh, uh, leaving Las Vegas. He goes, yeah, I haven't seen it. and then so this was at a time he was just about to release uh his documentary called like meeting gorbachev or it was was something about gorbachev Mm. and so this fucking soy boy then like raises his hand and it's like the the, um so this is like back in 2018 i want to say yeah it's back in 2018 did the recent political events make you want to make something about about Russia, he goes. He's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "He was like, what the fuck are you talking about?" He says, "No." He says, "I've been working on this for fucking years." He goes, "If you believe any of this shit about Russia, you know, election stuff," he says, "You're fucking retarded." Like he just totally went off on this guy, oh, that's and great. it was yeah. And he was like, "No." He goes, "I'm not going to buy into your bullshit." And he just went total red pill on all well, these he- LA types. He's one of the few that can do it and does it too. Yeah. You know, that has that power of just like, I, I'm still going to continue doing my shit. I don't give a fuck if, yeah. if you guys appreciate it or not. Well, but, I mean, also- even apparently David Lynch doesn't have the power to do that because as soon as that wound up in print, what he got bullied into apologizing for saying anything that could have been perceived as positive about Trump, he was saying that uh, uh, Trump was showcasing that, uh, you know, he made all these public officials look like children in their behavior. And that turned into a storm. And I would put him yeah. in the same tier as a Warner Herzog in terms of like legacy directors. Yeah, yeah exactly. David Lynch is a total like legacy director. And the thing, Vern, like I haven't met David Lynch after the after that whole thing. I actually caught Werner Herzog in the parking lot. I talked to him for at least twenty minutes after just one on one. One of the nicest, like honestly, one of the nicest guys in the industry I've ever met like just super easy to talk to was just like really willing to talk to me uh and i you know i was telling him about my own filmmaking and everything and he was actually kind of like he was like well good like you understand because you know and i was like yeah i actually learned how to shoot on 16 millimeter 
And he goes, good. He says, unlike a lot of young filmmakers who want to shoot 50 takes, he says, you understand <laughs> what it means, you know, to get the take and move on. He says, you understand what the meaning of an image is. Like, that's that's something that he he certainly harped on in the interview that I I watched recently is everybody's need to redo certain things or carry on for extended periods of time. Yeah, and uh, his mo seems to be getting essentials and maybe even missing certain essentials and just coming out with something. Yeah, there there was a good there's a good story. There was a good story. Um, I, I know that we're we're now just this has become a Herzog podcast. Oh, I can that's talk all right. about Herzog all day long. Um, we can just so factor the, in like Nosferatu or something. He's kind of yeah. Epstein esque, you know. So there's a good story about Bad Lieutenant Porter called New Orleans, where uh, he was shooting it, and um, is it he he gets it what he wants, and bear in mind this is like late 2000s, so he's been making movies since the late 60s. Uh, so at this point, he's been making movies for 40 years. And his one of his assistants comes up to him and he goes, Mr. Herzog, do you want to go in for coverage? He goes, I did not know what coverage was. He says, and he says, so I asked him, is this like insurance coverage? Am I going to be paying a fee in case somebody, you know, slams into the film set or something? Is that what you mean? And he goes... No, like, you know, we get like a close-up, maybe an aerial shot. We get all, he goes, he goes, I do not want any of those shots in my movie. Why would I shoot that? And then he goes, he goes, and then after, he goes, right after I said that, Nicolas Cage took an apple box, stepped on top of it, and said, everybody come around. I am finally working with a director who knows what the fuck he is doing. Can you imagine those two on set? <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, like that movie was also Val Kilmer. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you also yeah. had Val Kilmer uh, yeah. right in the cast. <laughs> Val Kilmer, right before he got cancer, which humbled him. You know, there's yeah. infamous stories about Val Kilmer in the 90s just being a prick on the set of Batman Forever and The Saint and just, oh, Island of Dr. Moreau. That's probably the most infamous, yeah. infamous where he's just like, he's, you know, smoking a cigarette and he just decides to like, bring it in closer to a crew member's face and he's just going to burn their ear and see if they move away and they don't move away. And he just burns them. And that's Val Kilmer in 1996 or 1997 when he's Batman. Cancer, yeah. you know, put him in his place. Now he's doing Kevin Smith films right where he belongs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're going to talk about like this sort of like, like the, the hot guys, whatever from that era, the best of those is obviously... Mickey Rourke. I mean, come I was on. about to say. Hell Mickey yeah. I just hey, I just watched <laughs> Mickey Rourke. I just watched Mickey Rourke's uh, 1990 film that was directed by Michael Cimino, Desperate Hours, and oh, that I feels. That, yeah. I was not impressed with that movie. I was like, damn, Michael Cimino really did fall off after Year yeah. of the Dragon. We did a show on the Sicilian too, and that was just like an editing mess. Like the the the. There was no linear nature to that that made sense at all. And it was a linear film, but it was just so confusing yeah. the way that everything was pieced together. And then you take a look at Desperate Hours and he does something so conventional. It's disappointing. And I mean, Mickey Rourke's good in everything. He's fine in that movie doing his Mickey Rourke stick and his face is still put together. I guess that was in the mid 90s. Uh, but wow. You call me the motorcycle That's... boy. Yeah. It wasn't like that back in the day. Rusty, yes, Rusty James. Is he? Is he the Rusty one James. on uh, on uh, Less Than Zero, or is that? No, 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 no. That's James Spader. 
Yeah, James. That's Lyon. the other '80s cool guy. '80s cool guy whose best whose best uh, movie was uh, obviously Crash, 1995. Oh, I thought you were going to say <laughs> Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> no, the Blacklist. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? Actually, the Blacklist, Episode Six, Season Two. He kills it. Okay, the Blacklist is unironically based, though. Like. I haven't watched a single episode, so twenty four was was definitely more based. White man running around, <laughs> running around solving mm-hmm. all of America's problems in twenty four hours he, or less. He reminds me of like a of like an old Jimmy Smiths, you know, <laughs> like this is what Jimmy Smiths is gonna look like in like ten years. Actually, you know, my first Dean Spader film that I watched was probably Stargate. Oh, I, I've never actually seen Stargate before. Oh, really? How was oh that? God. My dad was like, you know, because there was Stargate SG-1, there was Stargate... There was so that's many that's how Stargate I became shows. familiar with it. It was like, what was it, Dean Stockwell was on one of those shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, you know... Is that MacGyver? It started from a movie... No, oh, not no. not MacGyver. Was it MacGyver? Wasn't Mac- MacGyver wasn't... In, in I thought he was on Quantum it? Leap with uh, Scott Bakula. Was that another guy? I don't know. Kino, go can continue yeah. with your story. <laughs> Sorry, but, yeah. But Stargate was like, you know, it was a movie. It had James Spader in it. And my dad had the VHS of it. So as a kid, I just watched that all the time. And I knew James Spader's as that. And then when I was an adult, I was like, oh, what's this movie called Sex, Lies, and Videotape? And then I'm like, oh, well, this is the Stargate guy. He's, he's kind of <laughs> pervert. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait what's this movie called crash and i watched crash in the middle of a public library, all his sexual deviancy movies <laughs> <laughs> i was so i i put crash on so anyone who doesn't know crash is a david cronenberg film about people who get sexually turned on by car crashes mm-hmm. and they have sex in car crashes and it's just it's essentially like softcore <laughs> porn that's yeah. surrealist or whatever just weird so I was watching it while I was in school, you know, studying film and I was in the school library and, you know, we had like little sections where we could like put in like DVDs or Blu-rays and like watch it on a monitor. But like, it was like in the middle of the thing and they had crash there, the, the Blu-ray of crash. So I was watching it and I remember um, it started up and it literally starts with the sex scene from what I remember. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, if anyone asks, I'm just going to say, I'm watching art. <laughs> like, We're just, I'm just, art. I'm just another of the homeless people that come in to jerk off. <laughs> just, just I'm one of them. Uh, the guy that I, I was talking about was Jeffrey Dean Stanton. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, Jeffrey yeah, Dean. Yeah. Richard. Richard Dean. Richard Anderson. Dean, Richard wow. Dean Anderson. Who's who's on Stargate uh, Universe, Stargate SG One, and Stargate Atlantis? Yeah, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, mm. that was yeah. the other. I, I remember when that show first came out i think i watched all the stargate shows as a kid because my dad was like obsessed with them so it was stargate and battle battle star Galactica. Galactica. yeah Yeah, well i mean yeah yeah sci-fi channel back then i remember i would tune into do you guys remember lex with two x's the the sexy animated cartoon show that was another show like It was like real sex where, you know, you shut your bedroom door after 10 o'clock and hope to see something good. Hope that, <laughs> what you know, your mom doesn't wake this? up and go to the bathroom and wonder why your door is shut. You know? What is Lex? this? Is this alien titties? Yeah. She had, I think she had three boobs or something, like uh, Leela from Futurama. Maybe. I might be misremembering. 
Leela doesn't have three boobs. One boob. She has one boob, right? No, 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 no. You're no, she has one Kung eye. Kao. One she eye? One eye. You're thinking Kung yeah. Pao enter uh, the fist. Kung Pao oh. enter the fist, the one. Yeah, or chick. or uh Total Recall, right? That's Total Recall the, the chick has three titties, but yeah. in Kung Pao the the one chick has only one titty. Remember I don't that? know. I might just I be know. thinking of my dreams. Is <laughs> and then <they're>, like <laughs> and then there's I, more rats when it's two okay, titties with three so, nipples, right? Yeah. So if there's a movie with a woman with different, you know, numbered amount of tits, I can easily name them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's all the movies with women with four tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hold, hold on. Lex wasn't even an- okay. So Lex, I I remembered correctly, but it was not an animated show. There was an animated yeah. show with a girl with three boobs on Sci Fi Channel around that same time. Was that Stripperella? No, or that was like that? that was the that was TNN when that was still around before it became Spike TV. Because that was on with the Ren and Stimpy adult party cartoon hour that John Kay did. Which sucks. That's a bad show. If anybody likes Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't bother. And also uh, don't uh, don't look into what John Kay has been up to since then. Just enjoy Ren and Stimpy for what you remember. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's I I feel like for a lot of people, especially who got famous in the 90s that's probably a good idea to just not look at what anybody who worked for for nickelodeon from 1985 to 2007 (laughs) don't look up what they're up to nowadays don't look up dan schneider (laughs) yeah (laughs) waiting for that keenan thompson bombshell to drop or that Kel. Oh yeah, they just got Drake, this? right? They got Drake Bell recently for, and they oh, wouldn't yeah. tell you what it was. They just said child endangerment, but now it came out that he was like seducing a fifteen-year-old on AOL or something. Yeah, something really stupid, something bad. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a worse fate, or is uh, Josh Peck being like a married man living in a Viner house in a YouTuber house in LA? Oh, worse? is that? Oh, that's what he oh, was doing Jesus. for a while, anyway. Isn't he like forty? Is he like my age? He's, I think he's your age. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then, pretty bad. Um, then the yeah, new, he's my like, age. Oh fuck! I can't. I could not imagine walking into one of those houses, let alone fucking living there. Ah, oh, that's terrible. And then yeah. the new iCarly revival. You know, they revived iCarly for like Paramount TV or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, there's a million different fucking streaming networks now. It's like, is it gonna be three D like the Boondocks? <laughs> No, oh, like they have like that's, so that's painful. They have a whole scene in there where it's like, sorry, I didn't mean I was to be kink shaming you. They have like a whole thing on furries and the new iCarly thing. So like it's kind of like the that Powerpuff re- yeah, reboot you were telling like me about. Power- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was telling this. I was telling this to to Lorez. I think over the phone. Yeah. So CW um, show. Yeah. So 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 get this. It was gonna be. It, yeah, so it was written by um, Diablo Cody. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's off to a great start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what happened is there's another YouTuber. Um, I like his I like his content. He does sort of like gaming news and stuff like that. It's called Upper Echelon Gamers. Um, he's a friend of mine, and he knows that I used to work. I, I did script doctoring stuff out in LA for a bit, and so I know you know like i i know how these like scripts in la uh read and everything like that right right and so um he sends this script to me and he goes kino 
tell me that this is fake. And I take a look at it. And I start reading it. And I'm like, dude, this reads like every script that I got when I was out in LA. And I told him either, either. Okay. I said, there, there, there are two options here. Either this is completely real, which is 99% the case that this mm-hmm. is completely real, or this is a hoax. But the hoax has to have been made by a person who is deep within the industry, who knows that exactly knows. Right. how to write right. these kinds of scripts, who knows what all these people are writing like, not just like in the dialogue, but also in the action lines everywhere else. Like it reads like something I would get from these kinds of writers out in LA. Like it was so on point that I was like, this can't be fake. And if it's a fake, it's a really good one. Really? <laughs> You know, right. and so that's why I told him the next day Paramount started or whatever CW, I, I, Fox, I don't, I don't know, whatever company owns it, started DMCAing anyone who's like posting the links to the things. And that was there. And, and, and they claimed that it was it was real. And but, what you know, was it? It was the Powerpuff Girls in real Powerpuff life. Powerpuff Girls, you know, when they're older, just imagine scary on 61st Street Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> <laughs> powerpuff ten, powerpuff horny teens uh yeah where it's like yeah you know that's... they're in lesbian sexual lesbian relationships talking about threesomes and like it, it's like all the like i don't know why you have to take like a children's show and then be it's like, so yeah, i'm gonna make it weird. i'm gonna make it grown up by having all these characters who everyone knows as being little kids but i'm gonna have them grown up and being complete sexual degenerates I'll, I'll tell you why that is it's because the majority of the people tuning into these children's shows now are adults there are less children probably in general and i think that's the the sole motivation for any of these reboots is 35 year old childless adults who are Wanting to feel Want that to fuck the cartoons. That's a hey, that's cartoons a, that's, that they used to yeah. like. That's a thing too. I, like not ironically, that is a real deal thing. Look, I'm just have, waiting for yeah. I'm waiting for the horny bananas in pajamas remake. Uh, that's gonna, that one's gonna be <laughs> like, good. I have, <laughs> so I have a theory that we're currently under attack by weaponized nostalgia, and it's just, oh, yeah. just you know, and it's just like companies just like overloading us with nostalgia for times that we maybe we didn't even like really like live in like you have stranger things fucking making like this 80s nostalgia and going way over the top with it in in a really bad in a really bad way by the way you know like no way would the kid you know in what 1981 have a the thing poster like yeah that yeah, was yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it totally flopped. Like no one was a fan of the thing back then. Come on, like shut the fuck up. Um, but you also <laughs> like it also goes beyond where it's like, oh, we're gonna revive like for my generation, obviously, like kids my age and stuff, we watched iCarly. So we're gonna revive it, you know, but we're gonna make it adult and you can have like this nostalgia for it this time that maybe was happier in your life or something like that it's like just go back to your happy place you know we're gonna help you go back to your happy place never mind that your life might be shit right now never mind that we're <laughs> facing hyperinflation and never mind that like the country is a joke and never mind that all this shit is going on and like and and maybe that uh that people just hate you for you know things that are completely out of your control now you know and things like that let's just Let's just like imagine that it's 2007 again, except these characters are horny as fuck. 
Yeah, and also, also, <laughs> you know? ne- never mind that this show was never actually good, but yeah. now it's still not good. But now there's nostalgia to it, so now you'll watch it. Yeah, well, that, exactly. that's, but it's still bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> I think bad. a big part of why we don't have like a, like a defined idea of what the culture is of the aughts or or the 2010s, especially just yet, is. Uh, all, all of like the big pop culture during those, I mean, especially the the tens era, uh, is regurgitated shit that has been commercialized and broken down into just like two D ideas of what these time periods were like, right? So nobody seems to be making a, a real, genuine effort to identify the texture of this time period. Although yeah. I will say, and this is not, not even to link it back to Scary Sixty First. I feel like maybe that movie uh, could be the first step in that sort of direction where in 2010 or so you had Lena Dunham, I think, defining the New York texture of that time, that post sex in the city, uh, everything's like especially green and clean now, uh, feel in girls and tiny furniture. And you kind of have an evolution of that here uh, mixed in with Internet pop culture. Um, I think that's probably the direction to head in and maybe it doesn't encapsulate it perfectly, but it, I don't know if it really needs to for a first film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, I would say, I would say so too. I just, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get a grasp on, yeah. What the 2010s, what the two thousands were like, you can look back on the eighties and say that there was definitely a lot of nostalgia for the fifties back in the eighties with shows like happy days. Oh Yeah. And- some John Waters films like Cry Baby and Hairspray and stuff like that. There was definitely this like nostalgia Greece. for the 50s. Grease, yeah. Although I think that was late 70s. That was 78. Uh, Grease yeah. 2 came out maybe oh, in 1980. Right. But yeah, the, the whole Greaser. Grease 2. 1950s. <laughs> Grease 2 then, the one that like, everyone remembers. Like, mm. But the thing is, is that the 80s, there was still enough like pop culture in the 80s. It was definitely very like 80s defining. Um you know, with with like John Hughes films, with the Spielberg movies, and and well, you have the the birth of the blockbuster, right? And the birth of the iconic and the birth of a nation, classic too. film from D. W. Griffith. And, I've seen that twice. Have you seen the remake? That ain't a remake. Uh, they just stole it. It's one of those things no, where they, they took the, the title name. and they're like, we're going to make it. We're going to, you know, we're going to make this something good. We're going to replace that old bad thing and make a new good thing with it. We're going to, yeah, we're going to uh, replace that never classic and good make luck. a new classic that no one talks about because Nate Parker got Me Too during his publicity. Because career. his Me Too <laughs> oh, yeah. killed herself because she just couldn't handle the gang. You know, she couldn't hang with the gang and she killed well, herself after. And also, also, like he could have really handled it a lot better, and it wouldn't have affected him. But he had to go out on press and go like, "Well, I didn't really know what consent was." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, like he said, that. "Oh my he was god, like, oh, dude, you just killed your movie right there." I'm sorry. He would have had an easier time saying, "Oh, it was a different time," you know that yeah. that old time old excuse. Um, I haven't seen the Birth of a Nation uh, reboot, I guess you could call it, from 2016, I think it was. I know it's like the most expensive film that was sold at Cannes or somewhere. Sundance. Sundance, yeah. I was there at Sundance when it sold. Did you put a bid in? Did you try to get your hands on that film? Yeah, I think it sold for something like $17 million, um, which is huge for for Sundance. And I remember uh, there was a big fervor behind it because how Sundance works, right? is like 
you don't know anything about any of these movies before you get there. And then the longer you're there, you know, people see films, you hear rumors and stuff like that. Like, oh, this movie's good. This movie's bad or something like that. And so the movies that get like these like standing ovations and stuff that spreads like wildfire. And then everyone is trying to get tickets to see this film. So I couldn't actually see the film at Sundance because by the time I, uh, you know, by, by the time I even like really heard about this movie, the fervor had kind of taken over, but supposedly the fervor was there because the people who were in the audience were cast and crew members who were to a standing ovation. And it mm. sort of caused like this uh, people to think that just the avalanche loved effect. It. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and so uh, when other people saw it, they didn't really care for it as much. They thought it was kind of an average film, but I remember there was a whole lot of best picture talk. People were talking about that. Like it was a guarantee, like it was locked up as of that. I think it was, I mean, January, January, right. So literally January and they're already talking about best picture. And they just swapped that out with moonlight. As soon as they were like, damn, we need a new diversity pick. What do we got? Yeah. Moonlight. I also did not like, I did not like moonlight. I'm sorry, but. Damn, like you should be sorry. That's a big, that's a hate crime to say that nowadays. Uh, I actually, I quite liked Moonlight when I first saw it, but I haven't watched it since I first saw it. So I, I mean, I'm sure if I watched it now, I'd have it with the tint, tinted glasses of, oh, well, this one, best picture, this one, the Oscar, it's a new thing. It's taken new shape because of that win. I wouldn't like it as much just because I know myself. I also want to say that I didn't like, I almost walked out of Moonlight. Um, in the hard. first scene, <laughs> yeah. no, in the, in the got first kicked scene, out of the theater. The I Paul Rubens. walked out in the first. Your scene. Peewee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I must walked out because the first opening shot is them on the steady cam going in circles around this like drug deal that's going on, and they're just going in circles and in circles. And I, I got nauseous watching Blair Witch, yeah, and like you like, watching Scary of Sixty First, Hans. It was just too much movement. <laughs> yeah, it was nauseous. like it was. I felt like Dasha when she saw the blood on the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> and just wanted to sh- to share your thoughts on Epstein while you yeah. recover. <laughs> yeah, and so I almost, I almost walked out of the film uh, in, the, in the first shot because I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna throw up." I'm like, I really hope the rest of the movie's not like this. And so why do you not why do you not like it? I just thought it was boring. Right. Like I, I just uh, I just didn't think that like I was like, okay, you know, like it's fine. It's like one of those movies where you're just like, it's fine. It's not like I, I don't get why people are like way hyping it up so much. I thought that there was some stuff in there that seemed a little bit amateurish as well. And Moonlight, I thought that cinematography was bland and like really uninteresting. And um, also the whole ending scene just totally baffled me. How is he this 30-year-old drug dealer and he's a virgin? Like he admits to being a virgin at the end as a 30-year-old drug dealer. And I went to some, I was living in Atlanta at the time. I was living kind of in the ghetto. And so I was asking like my black friends in there, because he was from Atlanta, you know, obviously like living probably in the same neighborhood as I was living. I go, yo, 
is like a 30 year old drug dealer going to be a virgin? And they're like, <laughs> shit, no. <laughs> you should have started with, hey, it, you know, I'm not saying you're gay, but if you were a gay guy, would you be having sex yeah. with girls anyway? Or, uh, like, I was told, I was told by people in this neighborhood that, like, you know, women will, especially like in the black neighborhoods of Atlanta and stuff, women will throw themselves at them. And a lot of black men in these kinds of neighborhoods, and especially like in the kind of field of work that he's in, don't want to be seen as being gay and they they will do stuff you know just to sort of save face so him yeah so, the, so him admitting it doesn't make sense yeah yeah at the end he was a virgin i'm like okay look like i don't think anyone uh, unless you're like some sort of fat <laughs> retard on you know who spends all day on the internet like you're not going to be a virgin at 30 i'm sorry like <laughs> i mean look at look at look at the extent to which nick cannon went to prove he wasn't gay he married an old woman <laughs> mariah carey so <laughs> you know i got a question for you uh what do you prefer between birth of a nation and intolerance i've noticed that and, and this isn't a knock on intolerance at all <clears throat> but intolerance is kind intolerance. of oh okay well then that solves it's that too long it's too long it's very long intolerance is the movie that like film buffs like to you know throw out there so they seem cultured and can give uh, dw griffiths some credit but they're too scared to say birth of a nation's good that's the well, same my, my favorite is this oh, one oh, oh, uh the the white blossoms or what's it called where they do yellow face um wait let me look this up breakfast at Tiffany's. no 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 it's a dw ghost Griffith in the shell <laughs> um what's another one uh blazing zaddles i'm sure <laughs> i can't no, remember it, but i'm sure there's a nation i don't think there, there are any chinese railroad <laughs> no? workers in blazing saddles damn that's a miss wait, it's been a while since i've watched it but i'm fairly certain <laughs> okay i'm gonna have to look up oh, god it, it, so not being very happy. Well, you look, Loris, what's intolerance about? Why? Are you going to watch it? You're going to watch intolerance? Maybe. Maybe. Why no, not? you're not. Never seen you couldn't palette this one-hour movie. movie. Are you kidding me? Intolerance is like three hours long. It's on YouTube. Go what watch it, it. What is it about? Is it about slavery? It's about intolerance like through the, the ages. It's, it's, it, it's a bunch of like, um, it's kind of like short films, but not really. But they're all... From like the point of view of a person that died in like 1930. <laughs> yes, yes, that's cool. Like that's interesting, just because of that point of view and how wrong they got and what they got right about the future. So that's okay alone. It's, interesting. I think you're thinking of H.G. Wells. Uh, what was it? History of Time or something like that? Or it's Broken future? Blossoms. So Broken Blossoms, a frail waif abused by her brutal boxer father in London's seedy Limehouse district is befriended by a sensitive Chinese immigrant with tragic consequences. Wait. Oh, no. I'm just, I'm just oh, sounds no. very sad. Uh, wait, let me go to Google Images here so I can copy and paste them into the chat. Stop Asian hate. <laughs> Griffith. The, 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 uh, when is um, this from? What, what year is this from? 1919. Oh, wow. It's my favorite year. What Asian people were. Wait, yeah, this is a great photo right here. I'm gonna put this in put this in chat. Maybe you can make this a thumbnail, okay? Now um, tell me how, in your opinion, how accurate is this to Asian people? Oh, I can't put I, I can't put I can't put it in um in the Zoom chat. What the what the hell? 
Let me see. Can I? You have to save. It? I think you got to save it first, and save then the file, send it yeah. through. Oh, uh, okay. I'm gonna have to have this photo on my computer. It's gonna be weird when the Chinese government looks through my. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be like, uh, what? It's yeah, acting. It's art. This was for it's a, a different uh... time. It's a different time. Yeah. yeah, 2021. It was a different time, you know, June. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. All right, let's take I'm a look gonna, at this. I'm going to upload it right up. Oh, fuck, now they're got... What the hell? Come on, dudes. Recent items. Let me look at... What? I hate my computer <laughs> so much. It's the most complicated picture sharing we've ever experienced on this program. <laughs> yeah, I'm for, kind of forgetting where I saved it to. I have like a million different folders. I'll find it. It'll just be like <laughs> okay, one all right. second. I, I look forward to that just randomly popping up uh, at any moment. Uh, so Hans, yes. on, on Scariest 61st, would you, would you go see... Um, no. Uh, well, do you think this is a worthy successor to Eyes Wide Shut, which this was clearly inspired by? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. What if Kubrick had directed this? You know, what if Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were starring this instead of these two teenagers that don't care? Uh, okay, maybe guys. that would have. I'll tell open. you what. Hey, listen, I just took hey, looks... taking a look at Broken Blossoms. That's the most tasteful display of yellow face I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> It only yeah. gets aggressively more racist from there. So, look, <laughs> you can say what you want about the early 20th century. Maybe it wasn't the most progressive time, but it certainly wasn't the least progressive time. <laughs> Listen, I'm Chinese, but also mixed with other things. He looks like someone that I'm related to. He looks like, like you, multi you multiple you people mirror. that I'm related to. You yeah, see that so... guy every morning when you brush your teeth. <laughs> so maybe he was just, you know, uh, I don't know, Chinese, Swedish or something. He just Wait. looks sneaky. You know, so, yeah. he's just wait. So, Hans. Mr. Deeds, mm. remember Mr. Deeds? Remember the Tortura character, Mr. Deeds? Very much like that. We're covering all the hits tonight, so, Mr. So Deeds. Hans is basically Hans is basically the Nick Mullen joke, right? Where he's like, "What if I only did?" He's every Nick I? Mullen joke. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just one. That's just, me. Yeah, just just, one. <laughs> just slightly. I can blend in, but. Don't ask me about anything or don't make me eat any gross Chinese food because no, 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 you don't want, you want to eat the bug. Oh, I you gotta live him. in the pod, eat the bug. <laughs> he rage quit. That's it. That's the end of Kino. Um, no, uh, Lores, because yes. we, we've been talking a lot about, about, um, de uh, debut films and how, you know, this should be graded on a different scale because this is her first film. And, you know, first films usually are not that great. So true. Um, I, I know that you're working on your first feature too. So uh, I don't do know you where expect you heard people that. Do you do you expect people to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're giving Dasha with her first film? Uh, uh maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, hey, listen. I don't know if we're going to need it. Listen. I think Do you Mass think State let, me, let me ask you. Let me, hey, hold on. Do you think that's do you think lottery. your movie is better than Do you think your movie is better than this? Yes. I do. I can. I. I if okay, look, fucking hope from so. what I've seen, Jesus Christ, this movie, Jesus fucking Christ, my life depends on this. Lovers, I know. Uh, <laughs> don't, it's don't not necessarily me. <laughs> dissimilar toned from this, but I think we're much more maximalist with Mass Day Lottery. It's like a. It's like if Michael Bay directed this movie, that's our movie. Well, if we, I think if we had made our movie in the Airbnb where we were staying, it would be this movie. 
You know, if we didn't, if leave we decided the place, to cut just... out three quarters of the budget and leave Jerry out or something, then that would be this movie, maybe, and get more girls. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, more. Yeah, we don't really have. But it would be like it would be me and you instead of the two chicks in this movie, cuddling together, foot to foot. Yep. You know, Wait, just like a good. What am I getting in ass. on right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just came back and I'm like. Okay, I guess uh, I guess Hans and uh, Lorez are gay for each other. We're well, talking about the we... sexual tension on the set of filming Mass State Lottery. When, when we showed up to uh, the uh, apartment in Quincy, um, we we thought it was a one bedroom, but we got a bachelor's instead. So it was four men in one bachelor's that had one bed, the one studio apartment would... that had like right, the, the right. kitchen was part so, of the bedroom. And it was a miracle there was even a bathroom with a door. And we had four it's grown long men couch. There. <laughs> long a long couch. couch one that, bed. Yeah. yeah. And me and Loris tried to not touch feet while we're sleeping. And then on the floor, Jake was sleeping. And Well, there's Jerry a few rules here. The bed. Right. So there's, there's a few rules for how to share a bed with another man and not be gay. For one, you have to wear pajamas. Look. Like, I like to sleep, you know, in my underwear and stuff. I was on a, a band trip, and I, I tried sleeping in my boxers, and trust me, uh, it didn't really pan out. <laughs> Things got a little bit weird. Okay? Uh, how many uh, How many photos are there of these little, <laughs> little soft sleeping weird? Yeah. As soon as you do that, as soon as you decide, I'm going to be the guy in my boxers only, then it's only a matter of time before people start going, hey, you guys want to see a trick I can do? <laughs> yeah. and, uh... so, so there's another there's another rule, right? You don't lie down the same way. You have to face away from each other when you sleep, you know, right. so that so that you can't ever be construed as having cuddled or wanting to spoon. OK, you're, I think we're two for two right now, Hans, in terms of not <laughs> yeah. being gay. Yeah, yeah, so we're, we're on a roll. Yeah, All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were both the... fully dressed, sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to extra be not gay, you sleep on top of the covers because you know, even though you know what's going on under the covers, what if someone walks in? Right. Yeah. They don't. don't what you mean? Not share? Yeah. Don't share the covers. Is that why you don't share the covers? Or like, have different the- covers. Or have different yeah. covers. There's going to be like you a know? layer of separation. So maybe everybody has their yeah. own yeah. blanket that they can wrap around. Yeah, I don't think yeah, we do that. that. I think we just wound up sharing the no. same blanket. Well, sometimes you don't have the money for that. Sometimes you don't have the resources for well, that. In the we budget. Did. We had to sleep on we, top of each it? other. We couldn't afford the heating bill at this place, you know? <laughs> we, we, hit, we hit each other. We took with showers together night. to save water. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, it's very easy to, to take showers together and totally not be gay. And uh, the reason, the, the way you can take a shower with another man and not be gay. In gym class, right? You're talking about gym class? Gym class. Yeah, in gym class. Right. Is you just keep your eyes at eye level. You don't look down. Right. Yeah. If you yeah. look down, you're gay. Now, yeah. do, does this if rule apply you're, when you're, you're washing your buddy's <laughs> back in the shower with, with soap? If your as long eyes, as your look- eyes are eye level, as long as you're just looking forward, you're not looking down. As, as long as your eyes are eye level, it doesn't matter how hard your dick is, you're not gay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the vibe that these women in the film were lesbians? Not at first. Um, well, okay. So 
there's a weird sort of thing. I thought maybe that the two main characters were like lesbians with each other because they kind of talked not like how friends would talk to each other. Well, it like, was kind of one sided. She wanted she did not want to share the bed with the Betsy Brown character. She's the one who has the better acting skills of the two. She's not like one note. Uh, the brunette, uh, yeah, not pilled up to the point where her personality is just destroyed. Uh, the with the evil didn't she one. Also, the didn't, didn't, didn't she girl? also co-write it? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, right. She she also co-write co-wrote the movie, right? With Betsy Dasha. Brown and Dasha uh, wrote the yeah. script. Yeah, she's the one who gets possessed has the better acting. So as I'm saying it. So uh, the the other girl, I suppose, is a lesbian. She makes a big deal out of sharing the same bed with her. Maybe because of that, or maybe just because she's a piece of shit. I don't know. It seemed yeah, uh, very. I didn't, I didn't think that like girls not good nature. That. I I don't ha- I don't think I've ever met a girl who has that big of an issue with sharing a bed with another girl. With yeah, this, no. like, one of their best friends. It's very unusual. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the girls I know, you know, like you know, slept with each other, like just platonically and whatever. Like it's just. You know, with guys, we're just like, oh, don't, dude, if you touch me, you're you're a fucking fag, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know. And then with girls, it's just like hugging each other and like cuddling right. with each other, and they're like, oh, Cicering. this is just what yeah. we like to. This is just yeah, a, yeah. what we like to do, and it's like, yeah, yeah oh God, you slip that in there. <laughs> no, but you know, and I was like, that's weird, like, because I, you know, what's a real awkward I'm, image uh, is two men scissoring. Could you imagine what that would be like? That would probably oh, hurt. No. You know? That would be Why? very like, friction Two dirty like, assholes and balls rubbing up on each other. <laughs> Terrible. Why the assholes? Because it's, they... that's the equivalent. You think, you're going to think to yourself, you're going to get that whole region right if you're being efficient. Oh. So that's both. <laughs> Oh, that's such a excuse horrible me, mental ex- image. Excuse me while I go throw up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yeah, yeah, you are right. You wouldn't I, touch dicks at all. Yeah. It would just be balls and ass. No one would be pleased. It would just be uncomfortable afterwards. Like that. That just, is less. Gay just male and being and at a sound urinal. weird. Okay, the most gay thing a man can do is being at a urinal and doing this. It's the most gay thing. You never look. You <laughs> never look. Checking. It can be investigating. You want to make sure the urinal works. You know. <laughs> you want to make sure. You want to make sure that you're going to respect the person that's standing next to you. You know. Do I respect this guy? No, you're fine. Yeah, it's Chinese. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, that's hot. <laughs> you got to check. Yeah. Especially if you're at work, you're like. Eh, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's. I, I don't I mind if you. Yet. I don't <laughs> mind if my boss yells at me. You know, you're a little pecker. It's fine. Take it but, out of me. It's fine. But I think that. But I did think it was strange, right? When like they made a big deal about them not wanting to share a bed, and I was just like, come on. It's like, like I grew like I have a sister. You know, like I grew up having a sister, and like I know that the girls love like just like cuddling with each other, like sometimes on nights and stuff like that. And it's just. Oh yeah something that happened and i'm like especially when they f- first moving into an apartment i don't see that as being especially between two best friends as being yeah 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 sort of right weird and thing. especially because this is presented like a creepy apartment too right they realize yeah. like all these creepy things that have been happening so it would make sense that they'll be you know yeah, exactly. cuddling or whatever yeah yeah men would be like 
no, bro, I'll sleep in my bedroom and I'll tell you if I see any ghosts tonight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's always a good time. Yeah. You and your bro hanging out in an apartment, being scared of ghosts. I love doing that. <laughs> I love being scared of ghosts with my bros. Yeah, this is a wait. I'm gonna do my best uh, Zach Baggins impression. Oh, uh, hey guys, did, did, ghost did you guys feel? Did you guys oh, feel right, something? Right. Did you guys feel oh, something God. cold? It was like something cold passed over me. I think I think there's a ghost over there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe he's over here. <laughs> oh my God! Do you guys see that? Do you guys see that? It's a replay of a mosquito or something that goes by the guys, camera. It's like it's an orb. Guys, do you Fuck see you. that ghost over there? <laughs> that's that's, that's the Zach Baggins. He's always like flexing. <laughs> mm-hmm. How many seasons has that show? That's I don't know, like thing. a million. Like, There's a million seasons. Amazing. Look, I can watch it endlessly. Great. Okay, I think any any person with a rational brain, you can turn on Ghost Ghost Adventures and uh, just watch that until the day you die. What's the 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 one movie that got a lot of uh uh like press because it was kind of like that? Was it uh he made Grave Encounters? Was it Grave Encounters? No, he made something uh, new, didn't he? Did he? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Grave Encounters was like the the shitty iMac version of uh, of Paranormal Activity, where they just like use the same like face filters everybody else does, like especially now. Right. They went to like an old building or whatever, and then they couldn't get out or something. And but it was like point of view, wasn't it? I'm not. I'm not. Or sure. like found footage. I don't. I, it was found. I remember footage. that. They, I remember there was one that got a lot of press uh, of how shocking it was or whatever. And the, the story of it was pretty much Grave Encounters. Just these uh, investigators going into a building and then trying to find something. There's no way that Grave Encounters it. got any good press. So I don't think it was that movie. Okay, so, Ghost, so Ghost Adventures has 279 episodes. And, That's great syndication money. And he made this, a movie called Demon House. Zach Baggins did. Um, is it? Hey, hold on. Is this a scripted film or is this Ghost Hunters the movie? It's it's kind of sorta Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures the movie. Uh, paranormal investigator Zach Baggins documents the most authentic authenticated case of possession in American history. Red Letter Media covered it. Um, I remember that. Oh right, because Mike is into that sort of thing. He's a yeah. believer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mike Do you guys a- ever see that that Spike TV show that was something like this, where they would get celebrities? So you had like Tracy Morgan interacting. Oh, with dude, I was trying to so well, good. I, I, I was trying to get uh, an actor I deeply respect for Mass State Lottery. I don't think it's going to work out, unfortunately. Just not even his fault. He's interested, but it's sag shit. Uh, and I was looking at his IMDb to see what he's been up to, and I saw paranormal stories. It was like in an episode with Tom Sizemore and a bunch of like really uh, down on their luck actors. Tom Sizemore or as he uh, introduced himself to a guy standing right next to me. I'm the Academy Award nominated. Tom <laughs> he should be. He should be introducing himself like that. If if you're if you're Tom Sizemore or Eric Roberts or any one of these guys who was nominated for an Oscar 45 years ago, you should throw that out as often as possible. Yeah, some some kid next to me was like so uh, um, he was like, oh, so you look familiar. Who are you? He goes, oh, I'm the Academy-nominated actor, Tom Sizemore. 
Wasn't he doing like reality shows and shit? Yeah, he was on Celebrity Rehab for a few seasons. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that that's the same thing as like, you know, when they would do sci-fi movies and they started to get a little bit of money so they could get these washed up actors. You'd see like Academy Award nominee, Lou Gossett Jr. And he would be in everything. <laughs> and he hadn't like been in anything good in 50 years. J- Blue uh, J- Diamond Phillips. Jason London was <laughs> in uh, Mississippi River Sharks. And I actually auditioned for that movie. So I... <laughs> I, I used to have an agent. My agent dropped me. Um, but my agent, <laughs> what did you do? You it was canceled? in a Salo video. Got him canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, I was covering too many, too many stuff. No, my agent wasn't that good. He wasn't getting me like that many auditions. Honestly, like the number of auditions I got was like nothing. And a lot of it was for like the stuff that didn't even fit me anyways. Like I, I was outright told like, you're like way too tall to play this character. Like, why did your agent like, you know, whatever? Because I'm a, I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'm not a manlet. Basically, I'm a tall man. I'm a, right. I'm I'm a like big man. Ninety-five right? percent of the actors in Hollywood, which need uh, yeah. the apple crates to look even level yeah, with their the female lifts. co-stars. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm six foot two, um, and I sort of tower over a, a lot of people in the industry, but. I actually auditioned for Mississippi River Sharks, but they didn't really consider my audition when they found out that I lived in Florida and not Mississippi. Now, I'm only a two-hour drive away, and it wasn't for like some major role. It'd be one or two days of filming or whatever, but they were so cheap that they were like, yeah, we're not going to hire you. You're too far away. I'm like, I can get there and, you know, like I can do it. No, but we would have to like, pay a hundred dollars to put you in a cheap motel to have you spend the night. So oh. did you regret just... not being no, in the no, movie? No, no, Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't sound like a very memorable title. So I'm like, uh, oh, no, 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 but they did better off. But they do that, you know, like they, they take these kind of like stars who haven't really been in that many things in a while and give them, you know, some money to mm-hmm. star in like the shitty movie that they shoot in two weeks. Because I think right. they shot that whole film in two weeks. The 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 fastest I've heard a movie being shot was Medea's Halloween. The Boo, Medea yeah. films. Oh yeah. Wow. So my so my friend worked on it, and he said they shot that movie in four days. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they shot it in four days, and it or no, they shot it in six days, but it would have been four days. But there was a gas leak on the set, so they. <laughs> Funny but, how the title is like the review for the movie, right? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's how Tyler Perry, like they just like shit out content, you know? It's just, Damn, like, Hans, it's... you could have written for the New Yorker. You could have been, what was it? Gene Shallot with that type of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. The first pun I think of in like 10 years. Oh, the, man. The, my favorite like New Yorker joke was on Family Guy where I think Peter's just reading like this New Yorker comic and he's like, I don't understand this. He's just like, uh, I, I'm going to have to find this. But uh, also when Brian visits the New Yorker and it turns out nobody that works for the New Yorker has an anus. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's, 
that's it's pretty you know they uh they don't shit you know like mm-hmm. they make a point yeah we don't shit the people who work at the new yorker everyone's just full um, of shit all the time yeah i don't care from like the new yorkers just i don't know it's, it's so up its own ass it's pretentious it's like this yeah. movie that we're talking about <laughs> yeah. very, oh, there, there very you go. that's, that's very... your first segue in the history of this podcast <laughs> Episode 200, and the first time I went to segue <laughs> properly. <laughs> I don't know what episode this is going to be. This is a big mess. I already made graphics saying episode 122 to like 28 or something for other shows, and now this is just going to usurp all of them. Uh, why don't we Why don't we wrap up here? Because yeah. I feel like this could easily turn. This is already turning into like a three hour show. I think we're two hours in now. I was like, this is going to be a nice, quick. What we're going to go back to form one hour episode? Nah, no, nah, those days are the done. I think. Corner. Yes, what you've now you have I think in what a week and a half probably like the most hours of any guest I think in the history of the show. You might you might actually be tied with Oki because we did a pretty long time with him too. I think we did two hours with him. Um, what is all right? What have we not said about this movie that can be summed up in the final moments of this show uh, and also encapsulate I suppose a review? Okay. I'll give my review of it. Um, I think that it's a film that feels kind of like it's the first draft of the script Mm. where a person was writing this, writing this film, you know, with a whole bunch of inside jokes with, yeah, Twitter inside jokes or inside jokes with friends or things like that. And trying to ape off of uh, different styles, uh, trying to sort of make it feel like it's, something out of the past or something like that I mean, which is which is fine um let me ask you something before you continue do you think that running with those twitter jokes and those like online humor uh aspects that are baked into the dialogue do you think that is a benefit to the movie or do you think that uh distracts from what the movie's trying to do i think that there is a way that they could have delivered it a lot more naturalistically and not made it feel so much like they're memeing. And I think that whenever you're memeing in a film, unless it's like, like, for example, in my movie that I'm putting on Vimeo on demand this week, there's a very short scene where a character Bane posts. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's made as like a reference not necessarily to the meme, but it's it, it's taking place in the mid 2010s, and it's made just as a reference to people talked like that back then. But mm-hmm. I didn't really put any other memes or any other like internet jokes or anything into into the thing. Just that is sort of like a little cultural, you know, sort of thing. But with right. this movie, um, with this movie, it's so baked into the dialogue. I don't know how it's going to age. I think when people look back on this movie, they'll see it as like this weird sort of movie that was very 2020, 2021, you know? And it's kind of like how we look back on Juno and think that like these people talk weird. It doesn't, it hasn't aged that well. It's like a, it's like an exaggeration of a sort of certain stereotype of the time, you know? And I feel like that's how the characters are in this film. There's sort of exaggeration, exaggerations of certain 
stereotypes that most people aren't familiar with, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if that makes sense, like these kind of Twitter stereotypes. Um, and I do think that the characters, that most of the characters were pretty one note and just honestly weren't very interesting. Uh, the possession really had nothing going for it. I mean, we see her touching herself once and it's like, do we have to constantly see her touching herself? We kind of get the point. Like, can she has be it, doing something different? Has any of the victims died? We don't know, right? So, I mean, because from what we, from no those one's... that have been identified, no. But uh, he has an island, and an island, you know, presumably you could bury yeah. but that quite, island, quite a few but bodies. That island, but then, why would the spirit travel from the island to this apartment? I mean, why would you want to hang out on the island girl. where you died? You probably want to go back to your apartment and just chill. Yeah, <laughs> shitty apartment with plain walls instead of an island. Yeah, it's it's well yeah yeah and i think that um the film also like there were some funny moments there were some like i i'm not gonna lie that i wasn't completely bored throughout the film there were some entertaining scenes there were some i thought that there were some yeah i I don't i I wasn't bored at any point with this movie i mean it it goes by so quickly anyway it doesn't give you an opportunity to and that's certainly one of its strengths i think it identifies the fact that it can very easily overstay its welcome. And yeah. uh, for two thirds of this panel, maybe it avoided that. Uh, Hans, not so much, not so impressed, very critical judge. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I also thought the humor in this movie was a, was a big strength, but I also don't know if I would find that to be the case if I wasn't already familiar with all yeah, these exactly. references, you know? So like to we, what you're saying, like all of us are kind of terminally online people, you know, it's like, yeah, so we're going to get it. But if I was to show it to any of my friends, I don't think they would even understand half the shit. Well, I didn't understand half the shit. Like I asked Loris a couple of times. He was like, no, this is supposed to be ironic. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Well, it doesn't feel ironic. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be. Because it's just so that, good, Hans. It's just I it's didn't, a great I didn't. movie. They nailed it. I know. The whole time I was watching this, I felt like I had just joined the group of people and in this group of people, there's an annoying girl that won't shut up who thinks she's the funniest person in the group and no one's brave enough to tell her to shut up and I don't know her, so I can't tell her to shut up. So she just keeps going on and on and on and on. That was my experience with this movie. It was just like, can this end already? Like, what is the point of this? Like, just, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I that's about Dasha? Any. No, the movie. But I'm I'm not saying just her. Like that's that's what the 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 movie in general. Like every character there just felt like the same to me. So it was like I don't being know if one they of those. Felt the same. They felt definitely cut of the same cloth. I'll say that. But I don't. I think these characters, the three female leads, are defined enough in their personality traits where maybe they do act in a similar way, but they don't communicate the same way, and they certainly have their own distinct traits that I think separate them. Yeah, I think so I, too. I don't. I, <laughs> I, I disagree <laughs> with both of you. I think my biggest problem is that I'm very, uh, like that type of person that all of these characters were. I, I can't deal with that type of person, you know, that they talk like that to each other and talk about this type of thing. So it immediately turns me off to whatever it is that they're saying. Uh, because so just. Like, you, hold on, what do you think of the, the, shop, the shopkeeper? Kino, you brought him up in DMs to me. 
like what's with this guy what do you think of him he's very like mysterious you know i thought oh my god i thought he was so bad well again I like the shock except- was just terrible I'm like what is this you know exactly it's like what am i watching is this series i thought he like felt very, very like out of peewee's big adventure very large marge-esque you know i i thought it was well for me i thought they were going for a sort of like texas chainsaw massacre like the guy like telling them not to go to yeah the, yeah go to the place like it's just like way over the top but the, the problem the problem with his part in the film is he comes way too late into the film to be that kind of character that's like, don't go further, you know? If they're going to have a character like that, they should have had him in in the first act. They should have had him yeah. in the first 15 minutes of the film. Because it's supposed to be like, don't go further, don't pursue this, blah, 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 to give that general sense of foreboding. But instead, what you get is kind of 40 minutes of like, girls like fucking around you know doing drugs and just sort of making out and stuff like that and talking about epstein and then in the second half of the film it's like oh don't go further it's like you know you should have been building yeah we knew that yeah right yeah you should have been building this up in the beginning so i think that his character would have worked better if it was earlier on in the script i agree i totally agree go ahead yeah and yeah. I, yeah the, also the Epstein thing, uh, it it's supposed to be a, a big part of this. You know, it's 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 even like the thing that they're, or at least the only reason why I'm I was aware of this movie because it was you know this Epstein related movie thing, but I don't think they do anything with it other than uh, use sexual. it. Kind of, yeah, or you said kind of like a like kind of like a boogeyman, but it never really becomes that because at the end, the 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 one that's possessed is not really possessed by that boogeyman or whatever. So he ends up being just a name that's thrown out there that people will recognize as like a you know everyone knows that this guy is bad, but I don't feel like they ever do anything with what the victims went through. Uh, you know everything that happened with that case. It feels very much like someone that. Just read a couple of things about Epstein and was like, "All right, so what will people recognize? The island, the the yeah. you know the abuse and those things." And and it was thrown it, there, but it, it it never felt like it belonged with the rest of the movie. At least for me, like it felt it, very yeah forced. They you know? did all this work into Epstein, all this research, and never once did they watch a video by the Kino Corner. And I was very <laughs> disappointed. That was the most offensive part: is you didn't come up in that montage of the online activity. Yeah, exactly. I'm literally the Jeffrey Epstein of YouTube. Um. <laughs> oh, that's. Uh... <laughs> I made I, I I made a tweet the other day where I was like, it was after John McAfee died, and um, I was like, uh, I was, was like, killed. I was like Terry Terry Davis, Jeffrey Epstein, John McAfee. We have to face it. There's a war on IRL shit posters right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I had some people like uh, replying, like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the worst one, I think. He's such a he was such a good man. He's such a hero. You know, he was willing to you know improve the lives of island women in exchange for. Donations, you know, yeah, you know? mouth this, mouthfuls guys, of guys. Who's this shit posting? <laughs> it was all yeah. troll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all troll. And I got shit that. posting, shit eating. You know, 
just in general. Yeah, just mm. he was just living his best salad life, you know, like yeah. truly. Um, no, but I think that the movies, uh, Scary on 61st, I think that a lot of the issues with it are structural issues. I think that like you could move some stuff around and I think that you could shorten the intro, you know, cause what, what do I have to care about two boring women drinking white claws and just sort of like talking about nothing, um, you know, for 10 minutes, I don't really care about that at all. Why don't you shorten that? You know, we can get a good sense of the characters pretty, pretty quickly. And then why don't you, you know, and then what she should have done is, at the beginning of the third act elongated this the the sequence leading up to the whole human sacrifice part because that comes out way too out of the blue oh yeah for it to for it to feel impactful at all like there is a sense of like things coming out of the blue and it feeling impactful but when it's like in this movie it's just sort of like you're just the, the only emotion i got was confusion and i was like what the hell is going on right now? I, I, like, I didn't get it until my rewatch. I was like, that, so that's the ending. So I was I was completely befuddled by how quickly things yeah. moved, as you had said, and where it led to ultimately. Where I didn't, I wasn't able to piece that together fully until uh, checking it out a second time. Yeah, I think the, the the third act felt so rushed, where the first act felt like way too slow, way too like they took way too much time to sort of like we're gonna make like this like quirky indie dramedy type you know thing initially and then go into this horror thing and then the when they actually got to the horror part of it it was like super rushed not thought out and i think that was the big problem and now i say this like it's a very first movie you know uh, it's better than what a lot of people can make on their very first films on what I'm guessing is a very small budget and everything like that. I'm willing to go pretty, pretty easy and not be too harsh. Um, I think one of the, one of the benefits is that it arrives in a certain like film climate that we're in right now, where this is automatically just based on the the subject matter alone, probably a more interesting scripted piece than a good portion I would venture to say between 50 to 60% of the the movies that are released through traditional venues now. And I think that probably played a part in why, uh, you know, it wound up winning some out of competition award at Berlin. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I forget what what, what the title of that was and uh, why it's getting the recognition that it has and also why why it's getting mostly positive reviews. I kind of like the fact that it's so insensitive about its uh, subject matter and using Epstein as kind of like a boogeyman figure uh, because you don't get that really nowadays with, with modern films. I mean, we've talked about star 80 before and uh, what was the model's name? Dorothy something. Uh, and she was murdered by her ex-boyfriend or pimp uh, who was, uh, you know, very jealous of Peter Bogdanovich seducing yeah. his 20 year old girl away from him. And they had that movie made within a year or two of that murder. And that's, and you know, you have so many conversations now about whether or not it's morally right to cover this or that in a fictional context and, and utilizing it in the way that, you know, the Epstein sex slaves are utilized in this film, where it's almost like a, it's a bit of a mockery of them just inherently. Yeah. Where you know you have like a thirteen-year-old girl possessing Betsy Brown and doing was it a hago face, you know? 
outside of the <laughs> the building and sucking on the doorknob. Can't get over that sucking on the doorknob sequence. It really sticks with you, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like the scene in Killer Joe where she sucks on the fried chicken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great reference. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't I don't hear a lot of people referencing that movie in podcasts, so I had to throw that out there. Um, but yeah, no, I I totally like totally agree. It's just everything else is so boring now. It's like, what do you have? Conjuring three. <laughs> so what? Quiet Place Part Two. Uh, yeah, it's like I don't care spiral it's like uh, so saw like ten thousand. Oh my like... god that fucking uh chris rock plastic surgery movie that's great <laughs> it looks like a fucking foot now have you seen I, how pointy his face is i like, watched it's... the movie uh, what do you that. think do you, do you like are you are you making a video on it an hour video on spiral <laughs> i haven't made an hour video on any movie but i okay, certainly well, wouldn't start with listen. spiral <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the, the longest video you're ever gonna make about yeah. fucking this piece of shit yeah no yeah it was it was shitty like a quiet place part two is just like boring you know conjuring three was boring um oh, it's like so all, all these yeah. films now are just boring they're all about like rehashed ideas all this kind of stuff so i can understand it's like oh wow an epstein horror film that's just it's like i don't know weird and whatever and i think that people are willing to look past kind of the student film quality of some you know many of the scenes because the subject matter is inherently just more interesting than any of this mainstream hollywood bullshit that we're getting Completely agree. And Hans, do you, do, would you even concede that? No, okay. uh, because I, 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 I don't think they do anything interesting with the subject matter. If this guy was not named Epstein or if you guys were not familiar with who Epstein is, it would have no effect at all. So at the end of the day, you're portraying this villain that if you have no recognition of it, who cares? You know, if his name was whatever else... And you have you don't have that connection of the previous knowledge of the story of what happens. Then you're just like, oh well, I guess Prince Andrew. That's but you're, but you're saying a lot weird. of what ifs here. You're talking about a movie that didn't happen where they decide to swap out the name Epstein with somebody else. That's not what this right, movie but, is, though. Then that then I would this, absolutely agree with you that that would. But then this movie needs you. They need you to have that knowledge because they're not doing they anything. Give the well, so if, they, they give yes, you like they read his Wikipedia them. page and a line of dialogue, and then <laughs> yeah. that's, the I, that's that's how I want to know my shit. Give me exposition while you read a Google page. That's yeah. That's well, no. well, it doesn't he, have he, any he, impact or any. Oh, wait, oh, Hans, so, are you saying this? Yeah. Are you are you saying you don't like that? No. All right. <laughs> what's the what's the what's the uh, all right, I gotta go back and rewrite all my scripts now. What's uh, what's the Harold Harold and Kumar guy movie that's all recorded on like a screen too? Uh what searching. Yeah. That's it's I I just That was a good movie. I don't even know, I know why I thought of that. I haven't seen it. I don't know sorry. why I'm shitting on that one. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why you thought of that one to shit on. I you you thought that was but... gonna be a safe thing. We wouldn't just <laughs> yeah. poke holes in that immediately. <laughs> haven't seen it. Yeah, that's but, a good movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah i just yeah i i i think if you're going to do the epstein thing you have to show horrors enough so that it hits without you knowing well, all the backstory and right, the only whole, 
the only horror that happens here is her performance like, while she's possessed because it looks like it looks like you're in a family reunion and one of your cousins is like let, let me show you my interpretive dancing and that's the fucking is that something you experience often during family reunions yeah like, i have Hans. a lot of gay cousins <laughs> okay i'm gonna have to correct you on something here all right if you're gonna do the epstein thing uh for one you gotta be in Mossad. You got to get into a hedge fund and you have to get a private island and have very sort of different tastes. That's how you do the Epstein thing. <laughs> different tastes. I mean, she was dating she was dating Adam Friedland. I'm sure she's involved That's a very in, different in some taste. way That's... or another. <laughs> Is that the fat guy? That's uh no, the Jew. He's... Yeah, <laughs> this is the Jewish guy from uh, Compton. Stavros is the fat one who's hogging uh, a yeah. capitalism sock shirt or something. I don't know. That's what he was getting flack about this week. I, I've, I've lost my my palate for Comtown, to be honest with you. I Wait, think that Comtown's influence on the internet has been a uh, absolutely unquestionably negative one. A lot of guys talking in Nick Mullen voice in tweets and Facebook posts. Can't stand it. Drives me up oh, a yeah. wall. Yeah, every every guy online now wants to be Nick Mullen. Yep. The the guy that makes sixty thousand dollars in Patreon is complaining about capitalism. That's right. Yeah. You heard correct. Well, right. well I don't know. We we're a politically neutral podcast for the record. <laughs> we we don't have thoughts yeah. about capitalism. We don't think about that silly stuff. We like no. we like movies and that's why it's called like movies. movies. Yeah. I like a and good I am a, a monarchist that wants to bring the czars back to Russia, and you know, so I want <laughs> to rule with a, a horse and a sword. I'm, I do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring the. You want to be the back. Knights Templar? Is what you want to be? Well, so I, I'm actually kind of at a crossroads right now. I'm at crossroads between whether I should be General Secretary Kino or Tsar Kino the Great. Uh, I, th- I think Czar Kino the Great has a, has a stronger ring to it personally. Yeah, and see, and see, my actual name is Peter, so you know I could easily just like say, "Oh, it's just like in the spirit of Peter the Great," right? Sure. So Czar <laughs> Peter the Great, Czar Kino. How the about Great. how about glorious leader Kino? <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous leader Kino. <laughs> what about uh, Fourth Reich Kino? Does that work? <laughs> A lot of my family's from Munich, so uh, <laughs> yeah, there's the connection. There maybe we go. I'll, maybe I'll get some boys together in the. Hey, maybe you two are related. You don't even realize it. Hmm? <laughs> well, no, I'm not Austrian. I'm um, German. Oh, you... oh no, I was ta- I was talking about um, a Hitler, right? I'm, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm not I forgot. Related to Hitler. I forgot. Right. Um, although I have Hitler silverware. My wow. Do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to end this? Podcast? <laughs> do you want to end the podcast before you tell us about old <laughs> memorabilia that you own? My grandpa stole it. When he do you have a soup collection? Yeah. Are we gonna? Are you gonna show us the next room over? And she's gonna be mannequins dressed in SS uniforms. <laughs> no. It's yeah. My my, ge- my my German grandpa stole it from them. <laughs> he was a hero. He killed them and took it off their bodies. <laughs> you didn't. Okay, my my grandpa wasn't German. My great grandpa was. All right, there's a little bit of a difference. Mm. A little bit of a gap there. There's yeah. two generations yeah, at least. So a little bit of a gap. All right, guys. <laughs> my all American hero. My grandpa was. He was, he was John bomb. Wayne. Or, he was a bomb. You know what's gonna happen? It's gonna happen like what they did with Ben Affleck. They're like, didn't your great 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 grandfather own slaves? And he's like, oh well, fuck me. I'd be like, oh, shit. Oh well, well, fuck. <laughs>
Oh yeah, Ben Affleck got it. He spurred out when he was like, oh, uh, I'm from slave owners. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, what the fuck? Like they're not yeah. me. Like who cares? Yeah. I'm sorry. Wow. That's but, the yeah. that's the most shameful thing about the Affleck name. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would not, you guys not the fact that he was banging Anna de Armas and then broke up? Like who <laughs> what the fuck? I know. Uh, would you guys recommend the scary at sixty first? Yes. Cause I think even though I did not like it, I think it needs to be seen. Just because even though like I couldn't connect with anything, if she continues in this uh, trajectory of this is your first movie and I'm going to continue doing interesting, if we want to give it a compliment, interesting thing, like things like this, I'm interested to see what her next thing would be. Uh, but I guess that's the fear that if she starts getting attention for her acting or directing or whatever, that she's going to go mainstream and not continue with this weirdness. But if she does continue with that, I think... This will be an interesting jumping spot, uh, depending on what her career amounts to later. She's at a weird spot, I think, somewhere between mainstream and internet culture, where she's being cast on shows like Succession, and right. uh, she was in a Netflix show about some serial killer, and now she's got this, and this is an award-winning film. Uh, yeah. it, I mean, it kind of feels like she might be the bridge between like shitpost internet and where the media could head if they... Right. Think about things financially smart and creatively uh, smart. Look, I'm just going to say this. I do appreciate this movie for being a film that tries to appeal to everyone while also having characters say like faggot, cuck, and retard pretty frequently throughout it. Um, and just having this very sort of like, uh, like I don't care that this these words are, you know... Um, offensive or whatever, like it has that shit posty quality to it, you know. But yeah, I think that you know, there's a lot of problems with this film. Sorry, this tonic water makes me like burp a lot. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of there are a lot of problems with the movie, but it's a very it's a first feature film that's just that's what you should expect. Uh, I would. Rec- I like I honestly would recommend it because you can watch it and it's it's super short you know it's not really like that much of a time investment so yeah so like you know watch it it'll take you like less than 80 minutes so why should you know like it's not that much of a time investment and I think that you know maybe she learns from her mistakes on this and maybe she she brings that that wisdom onto her next film because you know the first time you shoot a movie you don't really you don't really know what you're getting yourself into mm. uh and you have to learn everything the hard way so i don't know maybe some of these mistakes that we're pointing out maybe they weren't baked into it at first maybe it's just the results of things that happened that were unforeseen so who knows you know maybe she learns and maybe her next her sophomore film is is great, you know, but uh, I, I do see some potential in the film. You know, there's definitely a flair to it. There's definitely a, a sort of, I, you know, ideas behind it. It's just, there's, but there's some, some things that are really holding it back. I, uh, I completely agree with both of you guys. And, uh, you know, you're citing the, uh, the sloppy form of it. 
as being its biggest flaw. I do feel like she can continue on from, from here. And if she doesn't lean too much into uh, her mainstream appeal, I think her second film could be great. I think it could be a really well-made movie, but obviously we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it and see what happens. Um, What do you guys, I mean, how would you guys stack this movie up against what I would consider like, uh, you know, there's not too many other modern culture films. I mean, this is really the only scripted one. The other one that would come to mind is TFW, No GF. And there might be another documentary that... uh, No, there's another one made by Dasha's friend, who's a mutual friend of ours. Uh, Oh, Spree. Spree. Spree, yes. Spree Spree was very well made and and good. Yeah, I really really like Spree. Um, I think Spree definitely is 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 better than this um but that being said it's like it's like eugene's like fifth movie you know he's there's a make- real budget behind that they had the star power of david arquette you know that's <laughs> guaranteed that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, they quality and they had joe keery and joe keery was great and they were basically making a movie parroting uh Elliot Roger, you know, like yeah. I when I saw that Frankie Grande was in that trailer, I was like, "This is gonna be a big piece of shit." I'm never watching this fucking movie. And then I watched the movie, and I actually think I watched the movie because, and I didn't even know of you at the time, but I think I might have came across it. Was, I think it was your review of the film because and Justin Wang was in it. I yeah, that must have yeah. been it. That must have been it. And uh, I was like, "All right, I'll bite. We'll see." And then I watched it. And I was like, "This is this is a really good film." And I, I mean, for the the time period that it came out into, I think it was like early twenty twenty or mid twenty twenty. Where yeah, mid twenty twenty. That that the year was atrocious. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought this was one of like easily the top ten most entertaining films I watched for, for yeah. that year. I mean, and just the, I mean, <laughs> it's worth it just for the scene where he's killing the guy with his car while he's having the gummy bear song playing. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, just like running, constantly running over him while it's like, oh, I'm a gummy bear, and it's just like, you know, it's, it has this kind of like American Psycho type of uh, comedy to it, where it's like you know that what's happening is dark and is sinister, but you can't help but laugh at it at the same time. Hans, have you seen Spree? No. I no? think I think I started watching it in one of those movies where I start watching at like three in the morning and fall asleep. So I just never finish it. No, I think it's. I think it's honestly from the last couple of years. I think it's the best of like just showing, showcasing, or satirizing because Spree is definitely like a satire on the modern sort of internet culture. Like because every character there is kind of like a different um, stereotype or a different trope of like a person online. So you have like the white nationalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's great you have like the white nationalist you have like the the black woke comedian who's like not funny at all um it's like it's kind of like south park in the sense that it's, it's just making fun of like everybody um and at the center of it is this guy who is friends with a sort of i don't, I don't know like as you know like a jake paul figure or like a younger you know like a yeah, like a Jake Paul figure or something like that. And he's trying to be like him. But he's like the most like doesn't have a personality kind of guy, you know, doesn't know branding. 
but makes like tons and tons of videos and doesn't get any views whatsoever. Uh, and there's a bunch of people like that. The thing is, is that I know several people just like that kid, Joe Keery's character in Spree, that they just don't have a personality and so nobody watches their stuff. And they don't get why no one's watching their stuff. And they're trying to be like the big YouTubers. They're trying to emulate what the big YouTubers do. And it's like, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's funny. Would- it is It is a very funny, amusing film. And I think the strength yeah. of this movie, uh, Spree, and um, TFW, uh, No GF, uh, is that they're all just very rambunctious films. And uh, I think that's what makes them stick out. That's what makes them feel like they are a part of this developing culture that we're in the middle of. And uh, it's going to help define the times, this helping of, uh, of internet culture uh, to, to pervade uh, IRL culture. My I friend guess. was in TFW, no GF. Catbot or what? what? No, uh, Eggy. Oh, Eggy. Yeah, I oh, love Eggy. Yeah. Eggy's great. I'm going to yes. be hanging out with Eggy this weekend. Eggy's terrific. Wait. He's got, <laughs> that man has so much manic energy in his streams. It's unbelievable how he can keep up with himself. There's this video I have saved of him where he's dancing to a remix of the, uh, it's called like uh, God, Country, and uh, and Bashar. It's the, it's the super patriotic like dance like hall song about Bashar al-Assad um (laughs) let me see if I can uh I have it I it's like one of my like go-to videos now I'll just send it to you guys later yeah 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 uh yeah Eggy's also a a fairly talented musician I acquired one of his tracks for for the upcoming Mass Day Lottery that has no name it was just unfinished it was like an 80s synthy track that he put out on Twitter I was like damn I really like the sound of that it's only 50 seconds long. Shit. I got I got to see if I can use this. And his White OJ song is great. He had a big year. Eggy's a big movie star in yeah. 2020 between that and Feels Good Man. He pops up in yeah. both. And he's oh, portrayed yeah. very well in I think both of those documentaries. Yeah, so what's funny about Eggy is um he did music for my video on Nostalgia Critics the Wall. Mhm. And so he made a, a rap song because in, in the video, I like I'm coming out and I'm saying like how like Doug Walker is haunting me and he's like this presence I can't get rid of and blah, blah, blah. And like and I hate him and all this kind of stuff. But as I'm watching the wall, I'm like falling in love with him. And you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm essentially becoming him. And so like at the end, it I, I deep faked myself on the Doug Walker and did the whole like uh you know where like the the bricks go and he has the gun right you know like that doug walker intro but mm-hmm. i deep faked my face onto it and um <laughs> and so when i do that i was like eggy i need you to like do a song about how i'm doug walker and he's, he's like okay he's like okay yeah sure sure man i just gotta finish up the sandwich first <laughs> and then <laughs> and like an hour later he sent me the song <laughs> That's amazing. I hope that gets you attention from Doug Walker. I did something similar where I put out a deep fake of Hans's face on Chris Stuckman to promote a show. And Chris Stuckman saw that and DM me and was like, so uh, I noticed you've been like harassing me online lately. It was like literally just that gif. I was like, what? 
What are you talking about, Chris? Why are you messaging me, Chris? He's like, yeah, I think we should do a podcast together and talk about it. And it was a very uncomfortable first hour with Chris Stuckman, but uh, we worked yeah. through the, the trauma of that. Was it un- as uncomfortable as he looked when he had that photo with black people when he was talking about oh. Get Out? Yeah, well, <laughs> nothing's as uncomfortable oh, no. as that. Hans, have you seen that? Oh, no, I need to know. It's oh, more uncomfortable oh, than him wearing the <laughs> drive jacket. <laughs> no, that, that would make it it's better. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that that's that's been movies for this week, and uh, there's, there's three recommends for the scary at sixty first best movie of twenty twenty one. I think was the general consensus here. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Kino, where can people find you online? They can find me on YouTube. Recently, TikTok. Um, I uh, I just post shit posts on tiktok um because i decided i'm gonna you know hand over all of my data to chinese authorities it's gonna happen at some point i might as well do it now yeah i'm just the kino corner yeah. on youtube and twitter better better voluntarily than you know with a gun in your mouth in three yeah, years exactly so a gun that's how i look at it and a covid vaccine up my anus that's the best place for it. That's that's most comfortable <laughs> spot. Uh, Hans, your H word name on Twitter and at patreon.com slash, I should always do patreon.com slash lower as the beginning of the show. Uh, $5 level if you want all the videos and the uh, podcasts. <laughs>